Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. You've got 60 games to kind of give it your best effort, get after it, and see what see what happens. So I don't think we'll – I speak for myself. I don't think I'll be monitoring it as closely – you know, because I, I, I feel like, you know, anybody can just go after it for, you know, three months and, you know, you don't really have to leave anything in the tank um, for that late push because there really is no late push. It's kind of just boom. Pitter patter, let's get at her. Oh, that's your saying, right, Jamie Rivers? It is. It is. He's former blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That voice you heard, of course is Matt Carpenter talking about the 60-game sprint the Cardinals are about to be a part of. And we got the schedule yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. I realized immediately I might have planned my vacation at the wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) God, doesn't that suck? That was great. Yeah, that was great today when you're like, uh, or Mike Ryder comes in and everybody's excited. Opening day, BK's like, yeah, I'm going to be on vacation. (laughs) I'll be down in Gulf Shores. I'll see you guys that following Tuesday. I thought you were going to be to the Royals home opener. Yeah, I was going to say. Are they playing in Florida? I thought we talked about this off air. Oh, yeah. We weren't going to mission any of Uh, that. He already bought his Royals jersey for that opening day. Yeah. I uh, bought two new jerseys. Tell me you're not wearing a Kansas City shirt right now. Absolutely. See? Royals fan. There was some big news yesterday. I don't know if you heard about it. (laughs) Looks like we got blues gear on Jamie Rivers. Gentleman by the name of Patrick Mahomes is the richest man in the history of the world, basically. Mahomes. Mahomes. The Cardinals. Like like how you just slid past that, BK. I got nicknames for everyone. Opening up on Friday, July the 24th. It's going to be the home opener with, of course, zero fans in the stands against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I want to do something a little different today. We don't normally start out this way, but we are going to today. Let's get some over-unders from you oh, guys. Wow. Some quick hitting oh, over-unders based on the schedule. Up while you're listening. Here it's it like goes. Sledgehammer to the face. Let's oh, go. I've had that before. It's not true. fun. We uh, talked about Tyler O'Neill versus Lane Thomas yesterday. Yep. Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrario. When will Tyler O'Neill hit his first home run this season? Opening day. Whoa. Opening day. How about that? You remember Bomb me show. saying that? Opening day, his second at bat. He's taking it yard. Yikes. Um, I'm going to say the first road game, which I believe is against the Cubs. It is against the Twins. Tuesday, July the 28th. That is game number four. So game number four, Tyler O'Neill goes yard. They got Pittsburgh to start, right? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh literally throws underhand. So I'm ready for Tyler (laughs) O'Neill to take that thing out of the ballpark. (laughs) I'm going to go with Friday, July the 31st. Against the Milwaukee Brewers on the road. Oh, boy. That is game number six of the season. And I think that'll be towards the end of his week of getting the starts. All right. I think he gets a homer, but he's in a little bit of a a skid. And Lane Thomas gets to take over shortly thereafter. Writing these down. Yeah, I'm uh, 
I'm definitely going with the first game. I definitely think the pitchers are going to be, they don't have the spring training that they need. They may not find their their pitch control right away. Someone's going to hum one over the plate, and Tyler O'Neill's going to be so excited to swing that bat because it's been a while, and it's going to crush it. Carlos Martinez, he hasn't been at training camp yet. Here, Summer camp yet. I'm not sure where he is right now. Apparently, he's in St. Louis. They did clarify the situation a little bit yesterday. I guess he was on the flight with two other Cardinals coming from the Dominican. They both tested positive. Oh, they both did? I thought it was only one. It was two of them on the flight that had tested positive coming over. And so they wanted to make sure that Carlos is good to go before he ends up coming into the camp and surrounding himself with all the other players, of course, which makes sense. I appreciate them being cautious about it, but he's got to go through some other protocol before he's able to get on the field with the rest of the team. When's Carlos make his first start, Jamie Rivers? Well, I think it's going to be a while. I do. I think that at this point, he's behind the other guys. I think you'll see KK get an opportunity ahead of Martinez. I think that you'll have your regular or your usual suspects get their spot for their start in the rotation. Gosh, I think Martinez, what do you think, about six, seven, eight games in, he'll get his first start. That's what, I'm in that. I'll say seven games in. He gets his first action, not even a start. Not even his first. So you're saying you won't see him until seven games in. Seven games in. In the bullpen? I think it'll be out of the bullpen because it's going to take him a little while. And who knows? We don't know. What if he tested positive? What if he's not just asymptomatic? Then he's going to really be behind. That's a good point. It's just a guess. I'm going with a month in. I think you're going to see KK as that uh, rotation. I think he's going to be solid. You're going to have to wait for that first injury before Carlos gets the call. So I'm going to say a month into the season. 2021. Ooh, that's my prediction today. I think Carlos Martinez is going to be your closer for the 2020 season. I think we're going to see him start out of the bullpen. He's going to do well out of the bullpen. He's going to have a 60 game sprint where they don't have to worry about the innings this year out of the bullpen as a guy that can go one, maybe two innings at certain points as a two, two inning save. I think he's going to be the Cardinals closer this season while they try to rehab mm. Hicks in. We'll see what happens there, how, how long it takes before he's ready to go. I think you're going to see KK Kim as a starter this year. If that, if they have a guy that goes down, I think you could see Austin Gomber. I think Ponce de Leon could serve in that capacity. I think we're going to see Carlos Martinez coming out of the pen this year. That's my prediction as of today. And 2021 will be the next time that we see him make a start. What are Cardinals fans, in your opinion, Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, going to start calling for Dexter Fowler to be benched? <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, three months ago. <laughs> Look, I got nothing against Dexter Fowler, and I hope that he comes out swinging and he has a fantastic season, and we're all winners at that point. But as we talked about Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill and having a short leash, Harrison Bader, you know, hey, it's going to be an opportunity, but it's going to end quickly if you don't perform. I'd say even the same thing will apply to Dexter Fowler. I think the Cardinals in a 60-game sprint, as this is going to be, they're not going to have time to let the veteran find his way. I think Mike Schilt's going to have to make some tough decisions. And if if Tyler O'Neill comes out swinging, he's doing a good job. Adequate, right? Lane Thomas comes out and playing pretty well. Harrison Bader hits the ball just a little bit more. And Dexter Fowler's kind of in a funk, kind of in and out, in and out. Why would you stick with that? I'd be like, listen, we got one year left on this guy. We know we're not bringing him back. We got these young guys here that are ready to take at least a little bit of control. Let's throw those guys out there. So I I think that fans are going to start calling for him to be benched. Gosh, four games into the season. (laughs) 
Well, you got it's magnified, right? The first, they give him a series. They give him a series, and then game four, the next series, if he hasn't performed, they're like, why is he starting this game? First time he strikes out, the next day on this show, that text line will be filled with, why is Dexter Fowler playing? Why is Dexter Fowler? I love the guy, too. I think he's a phenomenal person to talk to in the clubhouse. He's very insightful when it comes to base- baseball. Guy's a World Series champion, and you can argue that whatever you want, but he understands the game. But fans are going to obliterate him that first time he's struck. I mean, look, it was on Twitter that he struck out at batting practice at Bush Stadium during summer camp. And people were already yeah. saying it. Yeah, that guy. He yeah. So I, I think ridiculous. I think that which is very <laughs> ridiculous. But I think the first game that Dexter Fowler struggles, it's going to be over with in, in the fans eyes. I love St. Louis because you have a guy. In summer camp 2.0, after he hasn't played baseball in three months in any in meaningful way, and we're right back at it. Like, yeah, get that guy out of the lineup, Schiltz. Get him out of there. And it was Jack Flaherty <laughs> pitching right. the ball on that day. <laughs> like, it's not like Mike Schilt was out there throwing balloons. You Ooh, know? Jack Flaherty's probably hurling baseballs on a field this entire uh, quarantine. Flaherty apparently, according to all reports, looks incredible right now, which shouldn't surprise anybody. But Schilt said he looked like he was in mid-July form. I think if pitchers, quite honestly, probably had the easiest job to do throughout the quarantine. And now hear me out, because if they have a family member or a buddy, someone that's able to catch the ball for them, they can stay in shape. They can pitch simulated games. They can do all sorts of stuff while in their backyard. And there's no way to simulate real life pitching. No. So as a hitter, you're going to be off on your timing. Right. But I, it's why I think the Cardinals are in such a good spot, because everybody's going to have an advantage on the pitching side. But when your pitching's that much better than the rest of the league, that gives the Cardinals an even better advantage. As for this question about when Cardinals fans are going to start asking for Dexter Fowler to be benched, I'll go August 1st. August 1st, because at that point, there's no more excuse as to why Dylan Carlson isn't up. And if he's struggling, talking about Dexter Mm -hmm. Fowler, and you've got Dylan Carlson now making his way to the big leagues without an obvious position to put him in, well, right field looks pretty obvious to a lot of Cardinals fans of Dexter Fowler (laughs) struggling. So I'm going to set the over-under on that at August 1st when Cardinals fans are really calling for Dexter Fowler to go to the bench. Last one for you guys. When's Yadier Molina get his first day off? Yadier Molina's first off day that he's not in the lineup as a DH or as a catcher. Okay, that's a curveball to me. True day off. Um, See, I've been thinking about this because you know Yadier's going to be telling Mike Schilt, I'm good for all 60. Like, this this is easy for me. I can do it. I'm in the best shape I've been in in however many years. Of course, Mike Schilt's going to have to put a shock collar on him and be like, listen, we we understand that, but we still have to keep you going and develop other players. I think that 20 games in, Yachty gets a full-blown day off to where he will not be playing that game. No DH, no catching, sitting there in the dugout, six feet away from his teammates, wearing a mask, whatever it is. He's on the shelf 20 games in before they do that. See, there's no days or there's no double headers, which I think is going to make Yachty play even longer before he gets that day off because those double headers aren't going to stop him. And it's going to be that first transition from a night to a day game is when Mike Schilt really considers, okay, let's put because remember, Matt Wieters is a good hitter. He's a really good hitter and he's strong defensively for the Cardinals if they need him. I'm going to put it at 25 games. 25 games is when Yachty's going to get that first day off, according to Mike Schilt. I love what Jamie just did. He said 20 games without even looking at the schedule as to what that meant. Guess what that means, Jamie? What does that mean? 
The Cardinals play the um, White Sox in Iowa in that Field of Dreams game 19 games into the season. That's a night game the day after they play a day game in Chicago against the White Sox. That's got the makings of a Yadier Molina day off right there. I think that 20 think game so? with the field of dream ones. No, the day after. Oh, the day, day after. after. Yep. The yeah. day after game 20 night or day game night, night game. game. Play that game because it's kind of yep. like the winter classic, right? You're not going to sit your biggest veteran guy who's pr- never had an experience like that in the majors. Right. He's going to play. And then you're going to say, hey, Yachty, take a breather. The yep. way that it sets up is home game against the Pirates on Wednesday day game. Travel up to Iowa on a bus is what we're assuming here. Travel up to Iowa on the bus, night game the next night against the Chicago White Sox. Leave there next day in Chicago, play against the Chicago White Sox. So you've got three straight days, day, night, day game. I think that third day against the White Sox, that's when we see Yadier Molina out of the lineup for the the first time. So the third one? I'll take it. 20 games overall. Works out perfect. See how I did that? I had no idea. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. (laughs) I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Cardinal schedule officially out. If you want to have a real take on this, here's what it is. They have a very advantageous schedule. If you look at it from a travel perspective, the Central Division is so consolidated that compared to the East and the West, they're going to have a much easier time of actually getting through the travel of the season. If you want to look at it through the strength of schedule, part of things they according to the athletic had the second easiest strength of schedule among all teams in major league baseball this year the only one that got an easier strength of schedule is the cincinnati reds so this ended up working out very well for the cardinals one final point that i would put on it they've got seven of their 10 games against the reds at home Instead of playing against that great lineup up in Cincinnati and that sandbox that is a ballpark up there, you'd much rather play that team seven out of 10 here in St. Louis. So all things considered about as well as you could possibly construct a schedule for the Cardinals from just about every perspective. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Patrick Mahomes just got all of the money. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. They are staggering numbers in many ways for Patrick Mahomes, but if you can believe it, it's actually a team-friendly deal. Patrick Mahomes had two years remaining. Those years remain intact, $27.8 million for the next two years, and then the 10-year extension for $450 million, an average of $45 million, kicks in. It allows the Chiefs to do what they want moving forward. It preserves their cap space in the next couple of years. They have flexibility to try to repeat as Super Bowl champions. God, what a great, great day it is for this wonderful nation that is the United States of America. Wow. Patrick Mahomes. It's a bold statement. Yeah. The $500 million man. Did you hear that? Adam Schefter's like, yeah, $500 million. This is a team-friendly deal. Think about how great you have to be at your job for Adam Schefter to say that $500 million deal is actually below market value for what you're going to contribute over the next decade. That's based upon... You know, you're projecting it's a team-friendly well, deal. Of course, I'm I projecting that I don't like just, you very much. That's right a good now. point. It's a good it's point. A, so, but you, projection. another word that I found to be interesting in what you just said is it's very 
team friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not really. It's individual friendly to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. This is why Patrick Mahomes will never be Tom Brady. Oh, come on. Hear me out. He'll never win the championships that Brady won. And it's not because he's not as good. He might even be better. He might be 10 times better as a quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm willing to accept that. The problem is his $45 million, when that kicks in, good luck supplying weapons around him. Good luck getting the best offensive line. Good luck getting the best defense in the game. Two years from now, that no longer becomes a Chiefs team that's looking for Super Bowls. It becomes Patrick Mahomes, the superstar. That's it. So you want to know why you're wrong on this? I'll tell you why you're wrong on well, this. Enlighten me because I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. So, what did Tom Brady make? Highest salary ever. Uh, he was at one point, and I believe it was five years ago. I think it was 2015, the highest paid player in what the was NFL. That number? It was like $20 million. Yeah, not 45 Understand how many championships did he win after that four years? Two more after that. The quarterback situation has changed in the last five to seven years. Individual position now. Guys are making more money because the cap is going up every year. The cap has gone up an average of $10 million every year for the last decade. That big of a chunk of the pie on your team and expect to continue to win. So, in favor of your argument is this stat that I saw yesterday. No quarterback making more than 12% of the overall salary cap has won a Super Bowl since Steve Young back in 1994. So in the last 25 years, no quarterback making more than 12% of the cap has won a Super Bowl. Now, that sounds like something that is very damning for this for this contract, for the Chiefs and for Patrick Mahomes. I hear you on that. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you take all reason out of your argument, then that's fine. Then I guess you have an argument. And here's why. I didn't even know that was a way to argue. I I just don't care. That's my I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Here's why I don't care about that statistic (laughs) whatsoever. Because the other quarterbacks that made up more than 12% of their team's cap were not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is among the best quarterbacks we've ever ever seen in the history of football full stop based on what he's done in the first two years as a starter he won the league mvp and went to the afc championship game in year one he won the super bowl mvp and the super bowl in year two we've never seen that happen before ever nope. in the history of the league and so what i would project and you're absolutely correct jamie rivers words very dangerous what i would which one well, what i would project actually for Patrick Mahomes moving forward is that he's going to continue being on this trajectory. It's all I can do. It's all I can expect. There's no doubt he'll be on that trajectory. He'll be alone, no, on an island, because he won't have anybody else who can it's, actually play with him. It's the same thing that happened to Russell Wilson. Like, he was incredible, but you put that in that, that, that insane defense behind him. Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch were there to help, but the defense is what solidified it. What happens when you can't keep a Tyreek Hill or a Travis Kelsey or a Tyron Matthew? Like, what happens when those guys drop off? It gets harder. There's no question that like that. That is objectively true. It, it's going to be harder for the Chiefs to win moving forward than it has been the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. No, their no window is now. Here. I'll give you that. The next two years is their window. After that, they'll never win a Super Bowl again. You can do it, though. You can. It's more difficult. But if you were if anybody can do it on that type of a deal, it's Patrick Mahomes. And, and the reason why is because do we think that it's just always going to be quarterbacks on rookie deals? Because if not, 
all of these contracts are now worth more than 12% of the cap. Yeah, you're right. Like if you look around the league, any quarterback that you look to, including Tom Brady, mm-hmm. is now taking up more than 12% of the overall salary well, cap. he's only got six Super Bowls to go with. So it. if you think any of these guys that are veterans I think it's okay. that are more than five years into their career are going to win a Super Bowl ever again, it's going to be requiring that they go against this stat that I just gave you of more than 12% of the cap. And I believe that of those quarterbacks, the guy that makes the most sense to do it is Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact that it is the biggest deal that we've seen. Okay, let me throw this at you then, all right? Because I have agreed with everything you've said about Patrick Mahomes as an individual. There is absolutely no pushback here. Zero. I think he is one of the greatest athletes to play any sport ever. I think he's certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks as far as his athletic ability and his talent. Fast forward, though, okay? I I keep talking about this. Yeah. Two more years at the current deal. That's the steal, okay? Now they've got to push all in at this point to win again, at least one more in the next two years. Two more would be fantastic. I know your, your head would blow up at that point, but let, they, that's what they have to do. Following that, BK, his salary does go up to $45 million a year. The weapons around him are going to start to disappear, and he's going to continue to get older every year. Doesn't mean he's going to be terrible. It just means that that little burst of speed that he had in year two, year three, may not be quite as big. His arm, may, maybe he's got some shoulder problems. Like, all I'm saying is that $45 million six years from now could be deadly on that Kansas City Chiefs team, especially when they have nothing around him. He's going to be 30 years old. I know, but point. you look you know, at like some of the, the quarterbacks. Prime of their career. You look at some of the quarterbacks who've gone through injury things, and they've had to literally stop investing in the quarterback and start investing in things around them because they've had the opportunity with salary cap left with $45 million of the cap. Now, we don't know where that cap's going to go over the next handful, dozen years, whatever it is. But I'm still saying I think it shrinks the opportunity for the team to do the well. The difference is basically Sammy Watkins. You're not going to be able to have that guy on your team moving forward. Sammy Watkins last year made $17 million. This year, he's expected to make 10 to $12 million, depending on how well he does for the Chiefs this season. It's a, a lot of incentives in his contract. So if you remove that guy from the Chiefs, they're worse. They're not as good of a team. They don't have as many weapons. That's what they've become known for. They have one fewer weapon on the field at all times. But you're just removing that guy. I basically. think it's going to be more than one. I think because they're going to want the difference between Patrick Mahomes and all of these other veteran contracts is basically 10 to 12 million dollars right now. And so that's that is the contract. It's the 10 to 12 million that we we're talking about, whether it be Sammy Watkins or somebody on the defensive side of the ball, whoever. Mm-hmm. It's that 10 to 12 million dollar a year player that they can't afford now that will not be able to be on the team moving forward. So it's going to change some things. They're going to ha- it puts more pressure on Brett Veach and the front office to be able to continue to draft well, to continue to bring in cheap weapons for him, guys like McCole Hardman. He's got to find more of them. He's got to be able to continuously find those guys in the draft. You've got to draft good offensive linemen to keep no him doubt. healthy. No doubt. But it is basically removing one, maybe two of those guys out of the lineup, and that's going to be the difference for the Chiefs moving forward. And can you overcome that because of how great your quarterback is? Listen, I'll just reiterate my original stance on this, and I'm going to dig my heels in on it. I think Patrick Mahomes is an incredible quarterback. I am not taking one thing away from him. Their window to win another Super Bowl in the next two years. After those two years, I'm going to go right now on record and say, that the rest of Patrick Mahomes' tenure in Kansas City, they will never win a Super Bowl again. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I'm just telling you. 
He's Jamie Rivers. He's losing his mind today. He's taking some crazy pills. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us coming up next. This NHL CBA, I don't want to lose sight of just how significant this is. And the NHL, as crazy as this may sound, can actually be the leading voice for other professional sports leagues. We'll talk about that with Jeremy Rutherford when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. That's former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. Joins us each and every Tuesday here on the show. JR, how you doing today, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Any gloating by uh, Riv? He said, why are they going to Vegas? They should just go to Edmonton and Toronto. It looks like the league listened to him. JR, I know it's going to be surprising to you, but that's not the first time I've been right. If you follow my statistics, I've got a pretty good average going here right now. Just letting you know. All right, all right, I believe you. You know who broke the news to us, actually, was Joey Vitale. He was the first one to say it to us on the air, uh, officially, that he was like, you know, I I think that the winds are kind of changing here. I think they're going to end up going to Edmonton and Toronto. I don't think they're going to end up in uh, Las Vegas. See, I knew there had to be something behind it. So Riv sources uh, Vitale. A little bit. And then we also had Jason Strudwick Mm -hmm. on here from Edmonton, and he had described just how well Edmonton was set up for it. And he mentioned as well that Vegas, you know, the numbers are going up and it doesn't take a a genius. Even someone like myself, Jr., can pull up the stats right now and see that Nevada and Las Vegas itself is probably not the best spot to put a bunch of pro hockey players with all the COVID going around. So there's a lot of factors. I think that that's the main thing. That's how you usually get to a good decision, Jr. is you take all this information and make it your own. Yep, and not only that, uh, not only going to Edmonton, but playing the conference finals in the Stanley Cup there. So that'll be something. Uh, The Athletic just sent out a memo and said, anybody interested in going to Edmonton if we're approved to attend uh, the games in the Hub City? And I just sent my little message off that said I would be interested in going. So I think my family will be really happy about that. (laughs) So are are you planning to head out there, JR? If you're approved, you're going to go up there for however long the Blues are in that bubble? Yeah, it's a bit complicated. We don't know yet how many media passes uh, they're going to make available for these games. Also, uh, any Americans going into Canada, you have to quarantine uh, for 14 days. So that's a pretty long hotel stay before you're able to even uh, work. And then furthermore, you can watch the games from the lower bowl is what they're telling us so far. Uh, but uh, as far as interviews, you won't have any contact, you know, even social distancing. So all that will be done on Zoom, and you might as well be back in St. Louis if, if you're doing that. So the good part, as Riv knows, you can see a lot, you know, sitting in the lower bowl, things behind the play, uh, injuries, line changes, things like that. So it would be beneficial, but it's all preliminary at this point whether we're going to be able to get to do that. Talking to Jeremy Rutherford, he's the Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. JR, now that they do have the official return to play plan and we know both where the hub cities are going to be and some of the protocols that are going to be in place whenever they get there what's your impression thus far as you read over the plan how 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 do you think this is going to go when they actually get up to these hub cities 
Yeah, just a couple takeaways here. Is it looks like they did their due diligence. I don't think there's much that they uh, left out as we look at it now in terms of uh, preparation and planning. And then in terms of getting them up to the hub cities, that's going to be key. Obviously, we saw that the Blues uh, shut down their facility for a couple days, and uh, they had some positive tests. And the league put out a memo yesterday saying that uh, you know there's uh, just a couple more this week in terms of positive tests around the league. So those are going to be there. But once they – uh, get these guys into training camp, and that's going to start next July 13th. And they're all looking at each other saying, guys, we got to be disciplined. You know, I think over that two-week period, if they can stay disciplined, get them up to Edmonton, get into the hub city, and then just continue to monitor, it looks like they can pull this off. Yeah, JR. so to circle back here a little bit, you talk about, you know, staying disciplined and whatnot, and you did mention the Blues uh, having some positive tests hit the radar uh, last week. Do we have any updates uh, on the Blues' current status and how those players are or if other players have maybe been affected by this? Are they back at the training facility? I'm sure our listeners are curious as to what the follow-up has been to all that. Yeah, just a couple points there. Uh, One, we do know that they uh, practiced yesterday, and that was the plan. Uh, After they shut it down last Friday, uh, they said that uh, they would practice on Monday. And, uh, and they were on the ice, so that's a good sign. I also heard that late last week uh, they didn't have any positive tests. Has that changed in the past couple of days? You know, I'm not quite sure. You know, I'll go back to what I reported last week is that they had multiple people test positive, and, you know, that could include players, coaches. Uh, so right now things seem to be okay. The fact that they're on the ice, uh, you know, I think is a good sign. So um, in terms of the numbers, in terms of the names, we don't have that information, uh, but it seems that, all systems are go in terms of what the Blues are facing right now. Well, that's good news, and let's hope it stays that way. And just to follow up with that is, yeah, the hub cities seem like they're set up pretty well. It seems like the NHL has gotten, oh, for lack of better words, kind of military with the setup, and they're going to be obviously taking care of the players and watching what they do. But, JR, we've talked about this last week. Between now and the bubble time that's going to come in a little bit, what are some of the risks that lie ahead for the NHL? And have you talked to any players or any individuals with staffs or coaches that have talked about how they're going to handle this gray area before they get to the bubble? Well, they're just going to have to address it. I mean, I'm sure that uh, any coaches who have contact with the players now are warning them about what could happen if they just uh, don't stay disciplined. And then obviously when they get the team in in for camp here, that's going to start on Monday if this uh, CBA and phase three and four protocol is ratified after the player vote. Uh, They're just going to have to lay it out on the table and say how important it is. And and like I said, once you get to the hub city, I think they'll be better because that's where the quarantine is going to take place. I'm sure you guys saw all the stipulations in that uh, literature and one of them riv uh, i've been in a lot of elevators with nhl players i've seen it just looks like <laughs> it looks like a football game guys tackling each other guys bouncing off each other guys hitting all the buttons on the elevator and now you look in this memorandum and it says one player one person per elevator uh, ride i don't know if i can see that happening but <laughs> they're gonna have to listen and, uh, and and that's going to be key to this. The boys will get their steps in, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe that's the best. Maybe that's what I need to do is take the steps. <laughs> ah, you never know. Jerry Rutherford <laughs> joining us here on Ribs and BK on 
101 ESPN. JR, the other big news that came down over the last 24 hours or so is the NHL has at least an understanding of a CBA that could potentially be implemented for the 2021 season and beyond. It's an extension of the current CBA. How significant is this and how surprised are you that they were actually able to get this done when the NHL hasn't exactly been known for labor peace in recent years? It's just honestly, and I'm not overstating this, this is just one of the greatest developments in the league in some time. I mean, I don't know that there would have been another work stoppage, but it would they, they would have not have come together this gracefully and ironed out an extension on this collective bargaining agreement had there not been the, the pandemic and the league pause. Just think what we've heard the past couple of years about the league's willingness to participate in the Olympics. Now all of a sudden they're coming back and they're agreeing to play in the Olympics the next two Olympics. It's just uh, amazing how they've been able to come together, sit at the table, and hammer out uh, these phases one, two, three, four, and then also at the same time say, you know what? Uh, let's get this CBA extension done, too. I realize the two kind of go hand in hand because you have to recoup that revenue and you have to know what the rules are going forward in time in terms of trying to recoup that revenue. So part of it had to get done. Uh, but to say that you've got six more years of uh, CBA ahead of you between the two sides after what this league and the players union have been through together uh, and facing each other, I think is just remarkable. How much do you think it helps Army that he now kind of has a more firm projection of what the cap's going to be moving forward in the Alex Petrangelo negotiations? Well, I think it helps him, BK, but, you know, let's be realistic here that it's $81.5 million, which so it's going to stay at what it was uh, this year. Uh, it's going to be that way for the next couple of years. A week before the league paused, a week, seven days before the league paused, they said that it could go up between 84 and $88 million next year. That's an extra $5.5, 6000000 in cap space for Doug Armstrong trying to get Alex Petrangelo re-signed if indeed it would have went up to $88 million. So, you know, that's a significant chunk. I'm going to have a piece up at The Athletic maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, that just kind of takes a look at how this affects the Blues' salary cap moving forward. Uh, to my knowledge, no recent negotiations between Alex Petrangelo and the Blues, even though we now know what the cap's going to be moving forward. I've said it for weeks and weeks. Army's going to have to be a magician to move the money to make it possible to re-sign Alex Petrangelo if indeed that's what his plan is. We're looking forward to reading that piece, JR. We hopefully look forward to watching Alex Petrangelo and the Blues back on the ice here very, very soon. Find that work on The Athletic. You can follow him as well on Twitter, at J.P. Rutherford. JR, we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks so much for the time today, man. Thanks, boys. You got it. That's Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on Ribs and BK. As of today, Jamie, it is July the 7th. It's about 1145 right now. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Smooth. (laughs) What are you expecting in the Alex Petrangelo sweepstakes? Are you still as confident today as you were before all of this stoppage? Well, confident in what? I would do are different things, sure. right? So confidence is probably taking a few gut punches at this point just because the salary cap is going to stay flat and the Blues do have you know, some salary cap trouble. How they're going to move some pieces around to make it fit. Maybe the first year of Petro's deal is, you know, team friendly. Maybe it has good increments throughout so that the average annual value is a little bit lower than what it needed to be in order to get him in under the cap. It's going to take a lot of work. It is. Now, 
I think it's worth it. I still think Alex Petrangelo has some of the best years ahead of him. At least the next three or four could be the best years of his career and could be phenomenal based on what he's done this season alone after following a Stanley Cup championship to come out and play the way he has shows me that you know he's still got a, a spike in his progression. He's still getting better. I've said it before, Al McInnes, Nick Lidstrom, Chris Chelios, these are all guys that thrived in their 30s, heck, into their mid-30s and even late 30s. Alex Petrangelo has the potential to do that. Is it worth it ultimately to mix and match and get rid of some pieces and that to keep Alex Petrangelo? Personally, I think it is. Now, logistically, can they do it quick enough without other teams, you know, like vultures circling around going, we know you got to get this done. So can Army do it and still have a good team following that without losing big pieces? I think that's to be determined. Former NHL player, agent, and general manager Brian Lawton is going to join us coming up at 12.15. So we'll talk about that with him coming up as well. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get some of your questions. We'll try to have some answers next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. A couple of updates on baseball first, though. This one comes from Bob Nightingale. Oh, Bobby Boogie. These are never good. The July 3rd COVID-19 test results are now in. Nationals GM Mike Rizzo tells the media, all of them negative among his players and staff members. So that's a positive. Those are from four days ago. We finally have the results in. Unfortunately, those aren't the only results we were looking for. What? The Cubs have delayed the start of their workout today because they are still awaiting results from their COVID tests. Meanwhile, Mark Saxon says that the Cardinals sent a text to local media a little while ago. This was earlier this morning, saying that they had an 11 a.m. workout. They then followed up with that, saying that it has been delayed. No reason yet has been given. Saxy follows up on this, saying it could be as harmless as some thunderstorms in the forecast around noon. But he also thought that yesterday and it ended up being the fact that COVID testing was delayed. So this is good. If you're if you're Major League Baseball, like after the debacle that was the weekend, do you not hit the ground on Monday and be like, deploy everybody, every resource possible, put it towards the testing, everything. Yeah, you're in the mailroom. Guess what? Put a hazmat suit on. You're now part of the testing group. Two of the biggest stars in baseball. Chris Bryant and Mike Trout (sighs) took direct aim at baseball yesterday, saying basically, yeah, we don't feel safe. And the response from baseball is, eh, we'll get that testing to you eventually. It's like when you get to the DMV and they're like, yeah, pull a number. It might be done by tomorrow. (laughs) That's what baseball's become at this point for the testing. Yeah. They promised the players that the testing would be done every day or every other day. And now the testing is not being done in the timely fashion that they suggested well, that it would they be. they said the testing would be done every day or every other day. They didn't say they would have the results. <laughs> Maybe that's the loophole. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. We'll get to baseball coming up here in just a little bit. That's your latest update, though. Jamie, which NFL legend, this one comes from the 314, 
of the past do you believe could get a Patrick Mahomes-like contract if he were playing today? I like this question. Which NFL legend, if you were playing today, would be worth the Patrick Mahomes contract that he just signed? Oh, wow. It's tough. You almost have to isolate a, a past like quarterback, it's gotta right? got to be. Like, I guess if you go back a ways, you could say the running backs when they were so important. I mean, you'd have to take into consideration that the game, we're evaluating them based upon the game that was in their era. That's a right? good point. Yep. It's like Jim Brown. Yeah. Well, that's where I was headed. It's like Tomlinson. Jim Brown would have been a guy that you're like, wow, Walter Payton, you know, what would his contract would have looked? What would that have looked like as a Chicago Bear in his prime? So would Jerry Rice deserve one? Yeah, I mean, like the numbers don't lie. Certainly. I would only go quarterback, but if we're looking back and, and like Jamie said, if we're we're putting them in their place but giving them the contract from today, so you're you're still having them play in their era based on the rules of that era yeah. and what was deemed valuable at that time, you could maybe go with Jerry Rice. I think you'd I think Jim Brown would but be. Jerry a good Rice one. doesn't exist without Joe Montana. Well, that's what I was gonna right? say. So how about Joe Jer- Montana for that contract? Can Jerry Rice do that with a mediocre quarterback? That'd yeah. be the question, which if he can't, he doesn't deserve a five hundred million dollar contract. Yeah. Joe Montana would have to be the guy for me that I cycle back here and go, wow, you know, that guy was a difference maker. He was steady Eddie there. He'd be making big bucks now. I'll give you the guy that I would go with. It's Dan Marino. Oh, God. Yeah. But he never had a championship. I know. But if we're if we're doing the cross comparison of getting the contract, I'm not saying necessarily you look back at it and you're like, that's exactly what we should have done. Mm-hmm. But getting the deal, the only comparison for what Patrick Mahomes has done his first two years as a starter is Dan Marino. Yeah, he but won Patrick the MVP. Mahomes has a Super Bowl. I know. MVP. Dan Marino in his second year never had a Super Bowl. He got to one. But he never did got not it. Win it. So his contract would have been affected that way. I think the the number, the dollar amount, would have read that he didn't win the Super Bowl. And that's why that's why Mahomes is so difficult to compare to anybody. We, we've never seen this. And I'm not saying that as a Chiefs honk. Like I am saying that as a Chiefs honk, but not because yeah, of it. We've n- quite literally in the history of the league never seen anything like this this early in his career. The closest comparison I can come up with is Dan Marino, mm-hmm. and even he fell short in the biggest game. Not because of him, but his team did not win it when Patrick Mahomes' team did win it. After so That's why it's so difficult. After the extension for Mahomes is finished, like after this contract is done, would you look back and say Tom Brady would have deserved that contract? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when you get those me? many Super Bowls and he did that with a subpar offense with him most of the time. Eh. He had some weapons what? over the years. There's absolutely no doubt. He had great tight ends. He had some great wide receivers. Yeah, he true. had a lot Reed of good Moss, take that back. Wes Welker. Yeah, I'm not taking Ron Gronkowski. Ron yeah, Hernandez, who was also a murderer. Well, <laughs> that's a good point. But I, but I do think that, yes, looking back at the end of this and being able to compare apples to apples when it's all said and done, you'd look at it, I guarantee, and go, yeah, Tom Brady deserved this money. Especially after, like, 07. Giving him a contract right around then, because the early years of he was Brady, an MVP right there too, was incredible. Yeah. I mean that that was the prime. That w- that was when he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and they were just. It was one of the best offenses I've ever seen on a football field. But those early, f- the first three that they won, the three out of four early on, 
that was more about the defense than it was Tom Brady. Brady was great, and he came up in the biggest of moments, of course. But mm-hmm. the reason why they were winning those Super Bowls very early on was because of Bill Belichick's mind and the defense that they had in place. So it wasn't like he was the driving force behind those. And that's the difference between what he did there and what Mahomes is doing right now. I don't know that Mahomes is going to be able to finish what Brady has done, but that that's the biggest difference early on. Round 07, that's when he could have gotten this kind of a deal. That's a good point. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. we got one more, Jamie. This one comes from the 618. Guys, if the DH comes to the NL for good, do you think that Yadier Molina could become the DH moving forward and extend his career with the St. Louis Cardinals? All right, let me let me bounce a question back at you guys. Do you think Yachty's bat is good enough to put him as a DH? And if you do that, are you literally just saying we're going to sacrifice the DH spot because we probably have guys that hit better, but we want to keep Yachty in the mix and want to keep him on the team? I mean, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I I mean, his, his bat's not horrible, but his bat's not a DH bat. Like, look at the DHs around Major League Baseball and the history of the DH. Like, you're talking guys who can hit home runs, guys who may not have high on base percentages, but who can crush the ball. I don't know if Yachty is that, but I'm also going into Yachty or Molina's head. And he's a gamer. He's not going to want to just be a DH and not be behind the plate. The reason he's going to be a Hall of Famer and argue with me however you want is because of how he managed pitching staff and how he can manage a game from behind the plate. So Yachty's expertise isn't at the plate. It's behind the plate. So I don't know if he would make sense at a DH. I don't know if he would want to be a DH. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I, don't I, I see think it. it's as a Cardinals fan, I can see why you would hope that that would be the case. I do. I, if you just want to watch Yadier Molina and you want to see him out there every day for the Cardinals and this is your way of doing so, I understand that completely. But he's not a good enough hitter to really give you an advantage in that spot moving forward. Yeah, but see his legacy continue as a manager or a coach or something with your team rather than as a DH hitter. Right. And a lot of his value at this point is coming from defense. So if you're getting rid of the value that you get from him and you're still having to pay him because he's going to want to be paid. Right. 15, 20 million dollars a year, I would imagine. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring him back under that sort of a situation. He's a catcher. If you're going to bring him back, he's going to be your starting catcher. That's what Yadier Molina is. for Yadi then? Let the pitcher hit? (laughs) (laughs) Wayno would be all for that. Let me ask you a question, baseball question. Do you have to DH for the pitcher? No, no, like if you've got a pitcher, like I'm just saying, Shohei like, Otani. Yeah, like that guy comes up in the lineup. You're probably going to put your DH somewhere else. Like if if he was here, Harrison Bader would be DH'd for, right? Don't, don't discount the fact that Mike Schilt will use Miles Michaelis <laughs> or an Adam Wainwright as a DH every once in a while. Like they will pine for it. I and just, he will if they're give it in to the him. game, though, I'm saying maybe he'll let them hit. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then have somebody else like DH for another position player. <laughs> did you see the I'm comment? I'm not joking. That's actually really funny. Did I would love to see that. <laughs> did you see the comment from uh, Adam Wainwright the other day? Yep. He said he's still going to be hitting out there because you just, you never know. Yeah. He's, not, he's not giving up hope yet well, that he's look, still going to be able to hit. My boy Schulte's talked about it. <laughs> Miles Michaelis is the last pitcher in Major or National League history to have a hit. Before the That's DH right. was implemented. That's right. He's going to want to hit. He does. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Baseball's testing issues are a serious, serious problem. We've talked a lot about them. But the reason why they're a problem is because if you don't get this fixed, there's something that could come as a result. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We should have been having more conversations about the safety of players and staff 
while we were bickering about dollars and cents and labor. And, and unfortunately, now that we got through the dollars and cents and we agreed on a 60-game season, it's almost like we're trying to play catch-up with this testing and figuring out how to pull off the season. That's Jamie Rivers. He's a former Blues superstar defenseman. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Mark Teixeira earlier today on Get Up on ESPN. Baseball has a problem, man. We gave you the update earlier today. The Cardinals... Uh, earlier this morning, postponed their practice camp, whatever you want to call it again today. We'll see what's going on there. We don't have any updates on that. As of now, the Cubs have also postponed their t- their practices today because of a delay in their testing. We know the reason why theirs has been delayed. Meanwhile, if you go out to some of these other teams, the Nationals, it appears, have finally received their results from their 4th of July testing. So that's, I suppose, a positive. John Mosellock said yesterday when he was talking with the media that he's frustrated. He's frustrated by the lack of results that they've had from this testing. He said players were not comfortable reporting until the results were available. And Jamie, this is the thing that I think gets lost in translation in a lot of this. As much as we talked about it, the one thing that really matters here is that Major League Baseball needed the players to be comfortable with their situations. It's already going to be difficult for this to take place. And the more that you have these barriers, these hurdles that arise throughout the course of the preseason, basically, the more that you're going to have players like Chris Bryant or Mike Trout or Francisco Lindor here in St. Louis, whoever your favorite player is, they're going to start considering, is this even worth it for me? especially the older players that have already made their money and they don't necessarily need this year, that's when I start having hesitations of, oh my God, are we going to start seeing guys opt out? It hasn't happened yet, but if these issues continue to arise, that's when I think the the real problems start for Major League Baseball. Okay, so I have some thoughts on this, but I'm going to ask you a question first to both you and Alex because I don't have the answer. Maybe one of you guys does. If they start the season... And three games in after the first series, a player opts out. Is he allowed to do so? As far as I understand, they can opt out at any point. Now, they're not going to get paid. But they stop being paid at that moment, right? Unless it's a medical reason like Jordan Hicks with diabetes. But you would have that already stated before the season starts. Okay, so here's my thoughts on it. And this is why it's really, really relevant to this testing problem for Major League Baseball. Let's get a series into this, okay? Three games in, all of a sudden, let's just use any team. Let's pick the Braves. Have a big problem with COVID. Their star players now go, you know what? You guys botched this testing from the start. We're way behind. Our team has five, six guys now that have tested positive. Team X, Y, and Z are having a problem. I'm out. Then you go over to the Cardinals, and let's say there's a problem here. Three, four players. All of a sudden, Jack Flaherty's like, you know what? I got some contracts coming up, and uh, yeah, we don't have this thing under control, and I have no confidence in Major League Baseball right now. I'm out. And now you've lost Jack Flaherty, or a player of that ilk. I, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that Major League Baseball hasn't established enough confidence throughout the Players Association, or with the players in particular, that they're going to handle this the right way. So now as things progress and as more tests pop up, players are going to be like, whoa, every time is going to touch the brakes just a little bit more. And guys will be like, maybe they have a paycheck under the belt. 
Maybe they have two paychecks under the belt. Then they go, yeah, you know what? I'm out. We're 10 games behind already. I'm out. And that's when it's become a, it's going to become a little bit of a circus. I'm glad you brought up the Braves in particular. Because just yesterday, we got news that Nick Markakis is going to be opting out of this season. And he did so because he talked with their star first baseman, Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman has tested positive for COVID-19. And he explained, according to the reports, he explained how terrible some of the symptoms are to Markakis. And Markakis was like, this just isn't worth it. Like going through the, it wasn't that Freddie Freeman tried to talk him out of playing, but Markakis wanted to learn more about this. Like, what is the risk that I'm taking here? And I'm going to learn from one of my fellow players mm-hmm. because a lot of these guys look at themselves as being invincible. And then he sees his friend, his teammate go down with this thing. He's like, all right, how bad is this? What am I getting into? And he decides, yeah, after hearing that from Freddie Freeman, I'm not I'm not opting in to potentially have that as a result for me. Not worth it for me, for my family. I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to play this season. And I totally get it. And I do understand if you're a player and you're looking at it right now and you're saying to yourself, OK, so I have I have a reservation about playing because of the virus. I have a reservation about playing because my family is going to be away from me for a lot of the season. We've got all this travel while there's a global pandemic taking place and I can't be there for them while that's all happening. And now I've got another reservation that could have been prevented because Major League Baseball can't get their acts together with the testing. Eventually, these things pile up so much that it becomes this isn't worth it for me. And that's what the MLB has to try to guard against. One thing here that I want to make clear from our behalf anyways, and I think I speak for you guys too, but we had text from the 314 says, so tired of the bashing of the labs. These folks are working 12-hour days, running tests for very sick people. Good way to lose respect is to bash the labs. Okay, so guess what? We're going to clarify that. I'm not bashing the labs. What I'm bashing is that Major League Baseball has not provided the labs with enough runway to do this, with enough manpower to do this, with enough of a facility or enough tests, whatever it is, I certainly don't think it's the people in the labs that are the problem. I think that Major League Baseball not being prepared for the amount of tests, the amount of results, and how quickly and how many people it's going to take to get it out, that's the root of the problem. Yeah, 100%. This has nothing to do with the labs and not getting the tests on time. This is all on Major League Baseball. That's where the bashing belongs. When you look at the examples of not having somebody show up at Angels camp or not testing the players at Oakland's camp or not getting these back on time, this was Major League Baseball all the way around without any bashing on the labs. And you know, in terms of the players, you're starting to see kind of a trend with this. You're seeing the older players like Ryan Zimmerman or like a Nick Markakis who have had a lengthy career. And there are some separate examples that are younger players. But in majority, I think you're going to see those guys who have that that financial kind of shield to where if they do miss a season or a couple of seasons, it's not going to affect them. But then you have that 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 area of younger players that may have just gotten that big contract or are hoping for that big contract. Those are the ones that it seems like from what we're hearing from them talk are willing to accept the responsibilities of being very cognizant of what you're doing and going out there kind of like hockey players are like saying like, hey, we're going to go out there and do this because I feel like I can do this. Yeah, it's the service time thing. 
Like Jack Flaherty needs to play this year to get a year closer towards free agency. What if he plays half a season? He he gets half a season of service time. So I he, mean, he, I, look, there's so many things that have yeah. happened, guys, that I get lost in all this. Yeah, Jack Flaherty has to play the season in order for him to get a year closer towards free agency. Same same thing for any of those young guys that are still on their rookie contracts. Like if yeah, Mookie but is Betts, a year worth maybe the, some of the crap he's going to go through. And I know we're isolating Jack Flaherty at this moment because obviously it's relevant. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot of money on the line. Like Mookie Betts, if he if he were to sit yeah. out this season, he's back with the Dodgers next year. They get him for another year under that current deal. And as for the text that you mentioned, Jamie, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Major League Baseball basically admitted yesterday this is on them. Yeah, they said they're looking for additional medical lab sites to increase their speed and efficiency of testing. This is a capacity issue. This is a situation just like we've seen across America for the last three months. They didn't have enough labs. They didn't have enough people working in these labs to be able to get this done. It's not on the labs. That's on Major League Baseball for not planning accordingly. They knew what was coming. They hire more these, labs, hire more people. They had these protocols in place. They said, here's what our plan is to be able to make this all happen. And when the plan failed, it's not because the people that you said, okay, they're going to be doing the testing were incapable. No, it was because your plan fell short. You didn't have enough of those people in place. You didn't have enough of those sites in place. That's on Major League Baseball, not on those labs. So I want to make it very clear. We're certainly not suggesting that that is the case. 65780 is their comfort service text line. We always love hearing from you guys. It's 1215. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll get more into baseball and its issues coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. But coming up next... Let's talk about a sport that's got its bleep together. The NHL. They got their CBA done, and they're going to have some certainty over the next few years in a time of uncertainty. Let's talk that over with former NHL player, agent, and general manager Brian Lawton and what it all means for Alex Petrangelo and the Blues when he joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Brian Lawton. He's a former NHL player, agent, and general manager. He's a current analyst for the NHL Network. He joins us here on Ribs and BK. Brian, first of all, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We always appreciate the time. What was your reaction yesterday whenever you saw that the NHL, a league not exactly known for labor peace, is going to have a new CBA that's extending this current one? I think in that context, it's absolutely remarkable that, you know, both the NHL and the NHL PA, for that matter, they certainly did the right thing. I think the winners are going to be the fans here. Um, but for them to pull together, you know, this, this CBA negotiation felt obviously different than ones in the past when they've been very acrimonious. That wasn't the case. This one was very quiet. That was different from the past. Um, the NHLPA, I think, hasn't been very communicative with maybe the agents like they were in the past, but I think in some ways that helped maybe keep things from leaking. I think the NHL has also kind of kept it close to the vest. I think that's allowed them to reach deal. I think both sides are probably a little bit uncomfortable with the deal, but both recognize it is the right thing to do at this time in particular. And for all that, I know as a hockey fan, I am thankful 
because uh, we're going to have hockey back. We're going to have labor peace for the next six years. And we're going to have a chance to really grow this game to the level it should be at in the U.S. So I, I think it's a pretty momentous day for both players, owners, and fans. It's an exciting time. Yeah, lots. Look, at you and I are both a part of these labor disputes as players. You are part of it as an agent, then as a general manager. I mean, you've seen every angle to how this can go. We've seen it be somewhat okay. We've seen it be horrible. This, to me, uh, I was told early on in the pandemic, I asked somebody the question about possibility of a CBA extension. I was basically told I was crazy hmm. because, you know, they have bigger fish to fry right now than to worry about an extension. But now that they have it done, how important is it for the game of hockey, not just North America, but globally, now that they have the Olympics involved as well again? I think that's going to be huge. Um you know, I'm trying to analyze the deal. Everybody wants to know who won, who lost. It's too early to say any of that. In the end, I, I do think it's looking like a pretty fair deal. But I will say that I thought the NHL was very strong on the point of Olympics because I could easily make a case that the Olympics are something the players want badly. They take great pride in playing for their countries, and that's easy to understand. And even though it can be a nuisance, it can be a challenge for ownerships it's still a benefit for owners. I really believe that. I think we're going to grow the game on a more global stage. That's a benefit to everybody in hockey. So I really, that, that is one area I would probably check the box as a win for the National Hockey League. They were able to hold that out there as a major chip, and I'm sure players are thrilled to get it. Um, but I could have made that case as good for both sides. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, give that, I'll give that one a thumbs up to the ownership group. We're talking to Brian Lawton. He's a former NHL player, agent, and general manager. Now, Brian, the other news that we got with the CBA is that we now know players are going to be playing in Edmonton and Toronto. We know what the hub cities are going to look like. We know what some of the protocols are going to be that are in place. You've been in all of these different roles. You've been a player. You've been an agent. You've been a general manager. What do you think of the protocols, and what do you think is going to be said to these players to make sure that all of this doesn't just get started but actually is able to finish this season with the Stanley Cup champion being revealed? I don't think you'll need to say that much to the players, to be honest with you. I think they understand the gravity of what's going on. Um, you know, there used to be a saying when we were players, Jamie, that, you know, if we could play all 82 in a row, we would at some point. <laughs> I think it's going to be that kind of attitude for the players that this is business. And, you know, I was happy to see players and the NHL maybe move off of going to a place that may seem to be more enticing than Edmonton, like Vegas, uh, but just wasn't the right safety situation. So I, I think they're starting with the right macro thoughts. Let's get everybody in a safe place. Edmonton, to me, always should have been a hub city, so I was thrilled to see that final outcome just by virtue of how little COVID they have there and how many tests they've been performing routinely and how well they've been doing. So I'm not overly worried about it. I am impressed by the fact of the detail that the NHL and the NHLPA have put together in terms of the protocol. Uh, I don't think they've missed anything. I can see what other leagues are doing, and I haven't been as impressed. Uh, And that surprises me a little bit because I'm talking about certainly uh, MLB, the NBA. These are great leagues, run very well also. Uh, But the NHL, to me, stands out as being a little bit of a leader in this area. I think they have the highest percentage chance to pull this off. 
I really do. I mean, if they keep this bubble as tight as the protocol says, and I do believe the players will follow it, then I, I think that uh, they've kind of been the gold standard for what all these leagues should be doing. We're talking again here with Brian Lawton, former number one pick overall to the NHL as a player, player agent, and general manager in the National Hockey League. Also does a lot of work on the NHL Network. You can catch him there usually every day. Lots. One question regarding the playoff format. I'm not going to revisit whether you like it or not, but based upon the format the way it is now and the play-ins, round-robin, all these little components before we get to what is what we'll call it the regular playoffs, is there a team that after all this layoff, getting players back, this, that, the other, is there a team that you think could be a real surprise and actually have a legitimate run at this thing? Uh, there's one team that I find really intriguing, and that's in the East, and that's the Florida Panthers. You know, they've got great coaching. I think this is a chance for Sergei Bobrovsky to kind of reset things. And, you know, he really only played at about a third of his abilities in his short run so far since he signed with Florida as an unrestricted free agent. So I think if he could elevate his game with their offense and the type of style that we may see, because we don't know who's going to be able to get to their game quicker. For instance, the New York Islanders, are they going to be able to lock it down the way they do? Or is the hockey going to be a little bit more wide open to start? I find that it's a little bit more free-flowing, giving Florida maybe just a little bit of an an advantage maybe just a little bit of a chance to really shock people and go on a run. So that's one team I'm watching closely. The other two points I would make quickly are young versus veterans, Edmonton versus Chicago. You know, who wins that? you got the veterans, obviously, in Taves, Kane, Se- well, Seabrook's injured, but Keith, Crawford, guys that have been there and won Stanley Cup. So then you have the upstart young legs of Dreisaitl, McDavid, and a host of other players uh, that's going to be fascinating to see what wins that. I personally would probably still go with experience. Um, but in that Chicago-Edmonton series in particular, I think it's a pick because Edmonton's pretty darn good, whereas I would take Pittsburgh against the Montreal team in kind of a landslide on that one. So lots of fun storylines, guys. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Brian, what do you think of the Blues' chances of repeating as a Stanley Cup champion this year? I know locally everybody's very excited about Vladimir Tarasenko getting back on the ice and being able to be a part of this moving forward. What do you think about their chances? Well, I love that, but I will tell you, if you had asked me before the pandemic hit, before we had all these changes, I would have said that the Blues and both the Bruins – are are probably my two leading candidates to get back to the finals. And I and I would have been very strong in those opinions. Now this has potentially changed things. I don't feel as certain about it because I don't know what type of hockey we're going to see right out of the gate and if teams are going to have a chance to maybe get into their game. The Blues to me are one of the most complete teams in the National Hockey League under normal circumstances. They absolutely uh, boy, I would have gone all in on them to make it to the conference final, and likely they would have been my pick from the West to make it to the finals and, again, compete for the I believe will be another seven-game series because I do think there are quality teams in the East and West. So, uh, overall, I'm trying to say in a nice way, I'm not as certain <laughs> about the Blues 
under this scenario as I was before it. That's fine, Lots. We'll forgive you for it. We'll forgive you. Um, you guys asked. You know I know. I'm going to give I know. you my honest answer. That was your chance to get free it. dinners in St. Louis for life, but don't worry about it. <laughs> speaking, uh, speaking of the Blues, Alex Petrangelo, certainly that is the biggest question mark moving forward for the St. Louis Blues. Unrestricted free agent when the season's over. The Blues, obviously, I think as a team, they would love to re-sign him. The salary cap staying flat, not no increase there, at least for the next couple of seasons, it looks like. What are your thoughts on Alex Petrangelo? Can the Blues get that done? And if not, who would be one of his biggest suitors? Well, first off, can they get it done? Absolutely. Uh, Doug Armstrong has proven time and time again to be one of the top general managers in this league. Uh, Can he get it done with everybody that's on the existing roster? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he would probably have to move another significant player to open up salary cap space, and that is something I believe he could do. Uh, I've talked to Doug, and I can tell you right now, he's pretty much just focused on, let's finish out this season and see how well we could do. Let's take a real run at trying to defend our Stanley Cup and go from there. But uh, Doug's always got an eye for the future. He's very sharp. And ultimately, that's going to come down to a team-building exercise. Would it be better to let an Alex not a easy decision? I couldn't tell you which way he'll go on it. But those are certainly his options. If he were to leave, the suitors are not as strong as you might think. Not because Alex isn't a tremendous player, but because everybody is up against the salary cap with the exception of a team like Buffalo, who has a lot of money coming off their cap, a team like New Jersey, who also has a lot of money to spend. Uh, And there's a couple others we could name, but nobody that's of that caliber, in my opinion, that the St. Louis Blues are. So that's something that I'm sure Alex is going to take a long, hard look at. There is nothing funner, as you know, fellas, than winning in the National Hockey League, it's great to make a lot of money. It's even greater to make great money and be on a great team. And that's what Alex has in St. Louis. Brian, quick follow-up question. We got about a minute left here. What would you do? You were a general manager in the league. If you were in Doug Armstrong's shoes, what would you do? Honestly, and it's no BS, I would see how things play out. I would evaluate some of the players, and I would probably be leaning in the back of my mind towards trying to figure out a way to maybe sacrifice. It's going to be a really good player. There's no doubt about that. But to keep a guy with Alex's character, it's it's hard to move on from that. It really is. These are challenging times with the salary cap, and tough decisions are going to be made by every team. But, boy, he's not a guy I'd want to lose. Brian, we appreciate the time. We certainly agree with that sentiment here in St. Louis, and we'll forgive you earlier for saying you're not quite (laughs) as certain about the Blues making the cup as you once were. We always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. You got it. That's Brian Lawton. He was an NHL player, the number one overall draft pick. He was an agent. He was a general manager. Now he's an analyst for the NHL Network, one of the best in the business and has done a little bit of everything. And he told us... The NHL stands out as a leader in the COVID area in terms of setting up their bubble situation, adding that they have been the gold standard for all of these leagues. Let's react to that on the other side. Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
overly worried about it. I am impressed by the fact of the detail that the NHL and the NHLPA have put together in terms of the protocol. I can see what other leagues are doing, and I haven't been as impressed. Uh, and that surprises me a little bit. Uh, but the NHL, to me, stands out as being a little bit of a leader in this area. I think they have the highest percentage chance to pull this off. I really do. I mean, if they keep this bubble as tight as the protocol says, and I do believe the players will follow it, then I, I think that uh, they've kind of been the gold standard for what all these leagues should be doing. With former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was our friend Brian Lawton joining us moments ago. Yo, law dog. Your friend Brian Lawton. <laughs> yeah. The boys I feel like now. he's friend of the show. He's he been on what, twice with I us? I know Brian well. Lots. I do, do too. Yeah. Of course I, you do. I do too. You guys way go way back. Guys. I've texted him a couple hair, of times. By the way. He does have hair? great hair. He's got Kirk Muller hair. He's got first Ooh. overall hair. Yeah. Like guaranteed. Like oh, yeah. his hair is really good. His hair could put him in the game. Today. Let's do this really quickly. Good Who teeth, has... too. Oh, yeah. I think they're brand new, but they're good teeth. All time best hockey hair. All time best hockey. Oh, Carrie Frazier. Well, I don't know about that. That oh. was a that was a hair helmet. That he- but that helmet was quaffed perfectly. Jamie, out of yeah. the people that you played with, against, or have seen. Who was your number one pick all time? The number one seed going oh, into the yeah, tournament that's easy. for the best hockey hair. Ron Duguay. Ron Duguay had the best hair ever. New York Rangers. This guy played without a helmet, too. He had a little bit of curl in his hair, long flow as he's skating down the ice. There wasn't a supermodel in New York that he wasn't dating back when he played <laughs> for the Rangers. What about, uh, what about Craig McTavish, who went cageless? He went out. I would actually, I was a. Uh, on the team with Mac T the last year he yeah. played and he played the entire season without a helmet. But That's some great hockey hair right yeah, there. Ron Duguay. Ron yeah, Duguay. Th- that guy was like, honestly, he's as close to a supermodel as you get for a hockey player. Like this guy was here. Lundquist. Duguay. Uh, well, Henrik Lundquist got great hair too, but Ron Duguay back in the day, that was like a rock star in New York City. And this is like the Studio 54 days. Yeah. You know, he would walk in like, and be like, what red carpet for Ron Dugan? I'm impressed Lundquist can keep his nice hair because, I mean, dude wears a helmet. What? <laughs> like th- 300 out of 365 days yeah. in a year? Yeah. It's impressive. Must be something in the New York water. Must have been what happened to Jamie Rivers yeah. over oh. the years. <laughs> is that, yeah, losing it and having it turn white. So that's what we call silver like fox. It's a salt and pepper look. It's a silver like fox. That? Yeah, I like the salt and pepper look. Thank you. I also appreciate the Thank fact you that life. you uh, you let it go. Like you, you're not you're not the guy that's going to hang on to it. You, you're, it's it's no longer the black hair for you. Yeah, we appreciate no. you gave up. Riz. I did. I did belong to the uh, Just for Man Hair Club for quite a while. Did you? I did. I just nice. I couldn't. I didn't like the look on TV of like looking like I was ninety because the lights do something. <laughs> like you got those those bright lights and it looks like oh my god, Jack Frost is on the air with Scott Warman right now. When did you let it go? Uh, pandemic. Pretty much. I mean, a little bit before that, I just started like, uh, you know, just gradually not caring. But then the <laughs> pandemic, when my daughter shaved my head down into a mohawk, I just like, you know what? Let it go. I think that's the I think that's the go to now. Silver's in. The silver fox is in it's nowadays. A little more white, but that's okay. Uh, we can <laughs> that's go with silver. I'll give you that. All right. So we were going to talk Te- about. Hang how- on. Text line real quick. Three one four. Yarmer Yager had some great hockey oh, hair. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good. One. We can't we can't Still ever. Does. Six can't five seven eight zero is their comfort service text line. If you have any more recommendations or suggestions for that, so I did want to briefly get into this, Jamie. We got a couple of more minutes here. The NHL deserves a ton of credit. 
a ton of credit for the hub cities that they've put together and for getting this CBA done. This never happens ever in the NHL. And they were able to put all of that aside and say to each other, both sides, the NHLPA and the league, the owners saying this is what has to be done for the collective good of the league. Gary Bettman, who is certainly not getting any love letters from the NHLPA typically and not from the fans either, deserves so much credit for doing what is best for the sport and deciding that they needed to get this done now. Don't wait. Decide to get this CBA, this extension done, so you have some certainty moving forward as to what the cap looks like, as to what these teams are going to look like. Huge credit for everybody involved that made this possible because every other league is about to have to do it. Every other league. The NFL is eventually going to have to figure out how they're going to handle their cap situation the same way the NHL just did. And the NHL is a leader, as we heard from Brian Lawton, on all of these fronts. The hub cities, the health and protocol, or health and safety protocol, rather, and the CBA getting done this quickly. Okay, so Gary Bettman, going into the last couple of years, probably the most hated commissioner that the NHL has ever had. Okay. And I don't, I have nothing personally. I wouldn't even say probably. I think he was. And I have nothing personally against Gary. Now, was I pissed having to go through, what, three lockouts? Yeah. Was I pissed that I lost an entire year's salary over a labor dispute? Yeah, I probably certainly wouldn't have bought Gary a Christmas card at the time. However, I think what Gary Bettman and the Players Association and the owners and everybody has gotten together and figured out, you know what? We made some mistakes. And we made some big mistakes, and it hurt the sport of hockey. It hurt our revenues. It hurt our popularity. We need to not be that guy anymore. And then you look around. Look at Major League Baseball right now. Yep. They're that guy right now. And Gary Bettman and Donald Fear are looking over going, okay. And Donald Fear certainly some experience in the labor uh, discussions. He's looking over at baseball going, hey, Gary, we don't want to be them. Let's get this done. And I really I, I commend both sides for coming together getting a deal done like Brian Lawton said no one's going no one's going to win this deal but you have a deal in place that now both sides have voted on or they're in the process of voting on and getting it finalized now you're set up so your big hurdles that are ahead of you revenue wise with the pandemic and when you come out of the pandemic what things are going to look like it's literally a team effort moving forward think about the irony of the statement that you just said don fear and oh, Gary yeah. Bettman yep. are the two guys that came together to make this possible. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball is over here looking like a bunch of you-know-whats, while these two guys that were hated by everybody. When Don Fear was involved in baseball, he was hated by everybody, especially by the owners and the commissioner at the time. Gary Bettman, who has been hated by everybody, oh, yeah. came together with that guy who was also hated by everybody to get a deal done when it needed to be done. Baseball, that is the example that you need to follow. That's the sport that has been a true leader through this time when Rob Manfred previously over the summer and in early into the spring even said baseball is going to be one of the leaders to get the, get us through this pandemic. The sport that's actually been that is the NHL. 
kudos to them for making it possible. Well, especially, too, when you look at the way that they did it in terms of, you know, there wasn't any really back and forth that was out in the news. It was the NHL presented the proposal. The NHLPA looked it over and agreed upon it. But the, the escrow, and I know we talked about that, I think, yesterday, the escrow is a fact that really sticks out to you because they found a way to make sure that the players were happy because they do have to pay some debt still. They are losing money, but they're not losing it in the way that they were before. They got their Olympics. It was really the smartest way to continue to grow the league in Gary Bettman's mind to make sure that the players were just as happy as the owners were going through it. It's a give and take business. Nobody else in pro sports right now sees that except Gary Bettman. It's been exceptional. It's been it's been good. Now, the biggest thing is let's get to the finish line. Let's have hockey finish out their play-in tournament, their round robin, get the playoffs going, Start teams start leaving the bubble. Hopefully success of keeping the bubble intact actually gets higher. The percentages get higher for success and go from there. Uh, we did have a question earlier. We asked the text line 65780. Some great hockey here. And to our Ron Duguay thing uh, from the 636 said, uh, here's a headline I just located on the Google machine. From the New York Post, Ron Duguay, quote, how I ended up in Gene Simmons' bed with Cher. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, he was kind of a rock star. Speaking of ridiculous headlines, let's get to a few more. The Junk Drawer is next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's open up the junk drawer. Well, wait, we have to identify what just happened here. Yeah. Our boss, John Kioski, came in and he was listening to the hockey here and certainly a man that has some great perspective on things. He'd be at least a top five pick when it comes to hair. Oh, John Kioski? Oh, That's yeah. some serious hair. That's like Pat Riley hair. It's nice and smooth. I can't pull off that look. I'm Great not professional enough. with Pat Riley hair. That yeah, is Pat Riley hair. I'm not hair. professional enough. I can't pull that off. It's a big man, too. You got, yeah, no, he, that's definitely some swag. Now, he said Derek Sanderson. That's a great call. A good one. He had the flow going. Now, Sanderson wins, too, a little bit because, much like Duguay, he didn't mind his ice-cold pops after the game. Somebody, sometimes a few too many, but, uh, you know, certainly uh, a celebrity in the NHL. Speaking of celebrities, you ever heard of Cameo? I have, okay. yes. So there is this, if you haven't heard of Cameo, it's a website that you can go on. You can pick a celebrity that falls under there and you can contact them for a certain price and they can send you a personal message to you, your wife, your girlfriend, your son, whatever. It's a happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. So the average price, okay? So if you look at some of these guys, like let's take a NFL legends, Ray Lewis and Brett Favre charge $300 for one Cameo. It's a pretty significant price. I mean, that's a lot for us to go, hey, hey, happy birthday, Alex Ferrario. It's Brett Favre. And we're done, right? 300 bucks later. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., there's some pretty big celebrities. 300 Roy Jones Jr., $199. Floyd Mayweather is getting all, in. I saw this. On the cameo game. Got to be like 100000 for him to say anything to you. I'd well, say it's about- that's, that's a stretch, but... Floyd Mayweather is going to be the highest paid person on Cameo, yeah. $999. I was going to say, he's got to be right below 1000 because he wants to be the most. He wants to, and I quote, I want to be the first celebrity to make a million dollars on Cameo. That ain't going to happen. End quote. Floyd Mayweather. That ain't going to happen. What are your thoughts on this? Now, who would be your person that you'd want a Cameo from, and what would be your like top dollar? I wouldn't be willing to pay much yeah. for this stuff. Like it, it just 
Patrick do, Mahomes. That's what I, I was going to ask. What right. would you give Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes? I mean, literally. I've talked with Patrick Mahomes, oh, though. Oh, my oh, God. Sorry, they're buddies. They're, no they're homies. Time I, they're my homies. What, what, I, what I mean is like kind this. Kind of a big deal. Because of what we do for a living. And, Ferrario, I'm sure you've kind of arrived at this place, too, now. Like, you well, he's in to, here with me. Yeah, I work with Jamie Rivers. It was my <laughs> idol growing up. You talk to these guys enough, and it just becomes like you're, you're yeah. talking to an athlete. But okay, I take the athlete even, out of it. That's what I'm actress, saying. actor, musician. That's what I was getting at. Is I wouldn't want an athlete to do yeah. any of this stuff. It doesn't do anything for me anymore. Yeah. Um, that? Because that's like a. It's part of our. It sounds like job. you're breaking up with well, somebody. It, it doesn't it just, do anything for me anymore. It just doesn't matter. Like, okay, so I just watched a video with ten seconds with somebody who said my name. Like, they don't. Those people don't care who. They're literally reading. Off of a text, like, oh, Alec, and they probably mispronounced the last name before. So it like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I like, I'm with you. Listen, for me, okay, I've met a lot of people in my lifetime. Oh, I know it is. A, there's some we, name drops. It is kind of incredible. Should we update your Wikipedia page? There's some name drops that I could throw out there. Take too long. We end the segment, but so I'm not paying anything. I'm not. I'm not paying. It doesn't. It doesn't float my boat. Even if I hadn't come across a lot of people and been lucky to meet people in different walks of life, I'm still not that guy that would pay nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. And according to the text line three one four, Jeremy Piven is fifteen hundred dollars oh a gosh. minute yeah. on Cameo Zoom. So I, to me, I'm out on this. Big I would want a former president. Like if you, if you could get me W or Clinton or Obama, like get me a former president that's talking to me. That yeah, but they're not only talking to you; yeah, they're doing the a rehearsed thing. like they're reading a line. I understand. You know what I'm saying? Oh, happy birthday, that, Brandon! That would be that would be more special for me than something like this. But w- I wouldn't be able to pay enough to make it worth their time, and that's, that's where it gets point. difficult, right? Like, what would I be willing he to pay? Buy his lunch. That's a good point. That's true. What? Really? What? True. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay 50 bucks to 100 bucks maybe for that, but there's no way they would do it for that amount of money. So it would uh, never, I would never be able to make it worth their time. Some of them got some debt time. to pay. It's true. It's a fair point. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line for who you would want to hear on Cameo. Jamie, I mentioned the other day, I'm watching a new series called Unsolved Mysteries. It's a reboot of a show that you used to watch uh-huh. on television. And I told you the the story that they did on Ray Rivera in particular. I keep wanting to think Ray Romano when you do that. I know I did too the first time that I saw it. Um, it it's it's had me thinking about it since I watched this on Friday night. Well, there's an update on unsolved mysteries and the popularity that has ensued. They have now had at least 20 credible tips come through on their unsolved mysteries as a result of this series running. And it started. It's not even a weekend yet. And they have 20 or more credible tips so far on some of the um, stories that they've produced. I need them to solve this Ray Rivera story. It's, it's all I need in my life right now is for this Ray Rivera story to have some sort of resolution. I I can't get it out of the back of my mind. I know right it's now. been bothering you and I feel bad. It really for has. You. I know. Um, but if unsolved mysteries is going to start like unlocking old doors that have been closed. And in this case for you, Ray Rivera, let's get unsolved mysteries on Carol Baskin. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's solved, though. We know what, it's the, not we know what solved. really happened. I want some somebody to tell me where her husband went. Is that the only way people are allowed to pronounce Carol Baskin's name? I don't, it's the only way. I've actually taken an oath. Oh, it was, Carol uh, it was Baskin. A, it was an online oath, so I don't have accounts. But that every time I say it, I gotta say, Carol Baskin. <laughs> no. 
I have one more story that I want to get in here. Oh, you're not going to let me have mine. That's fine. Go for it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really have one. Okay. (laughs) So yesterday at the end of our show, we announced the news of the week, the news of the year, the news of the century, frankly, that Patrick Mahomes signed the richest contract in the history of professional sports. It was the story was broken by Adam Schefter. What we didn't know at the time was that it had actually been broken two hours prior to that by a liquor store salesperson in Kansas City. Did you see this story, Jamie? No. So there was a liquor store sales lady. She works at a place called Kansas City's Plaza Liquor. She wrote on Twitter, a front office employee from the Chiefs just came in and bought six bottles of champagne, said that there's a big signing today. Oh, boy. And said that it is not Chris Jones. So my guess is that a Patrick Mahomes deal is about to get done. That tweet was sent out at 1220. So she actually tweeted it. She tweeted it out. What does she have for followers now? She's up to like 5000 followers on Twitter now as a result of this. She deleted it right after because she was like, oh, my God. My boss is going to fire me Why? if they find out about this because maybe the Chiefs like, will wait, never wait. come back in, right? There's not customer privilege at a liquor store, is there? It's not like you're a lawyer or a doctor. They're going to do kick and, you out. Yeah. And they offered up the information that it yeah. wasn't Chris Jones and that there was a big signing coming, right? Yeah, she'd have a labor dispute. After that, she'd be able to call your labor lawyer. The employee who went and released that information might be now he would under be, some or fire. He or she would be definitely yeah. be in hotter water. So the story was actually broken, not by Adam Schefter, not by any of the NFL reporters a in Kansas City, store. but rather by a woman that works at a liquor store in KC. So how, how did Schefter get that? Did Sheffy find her on Twitter? Or did he just get the information later and has yeah. nothing, no ties to as her As far actual- as we know, he got it later and had... had um, she has since received a direct message from Adam Schefter, though, that basically said, congratulations on the scoop. Wanted to commend you for the work that you were able yeah. to do. She'll have a job at ESPN headquarters next week. Congratulations on the scoop. I took your information. I will be getting credit for it, but I just want to tell you, great job. Yeah, he, he wanted to give her Sign the, the credit that she He got $5 million extension. He makes so much money. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. He breaks so many stories. He does a good job, though. They must trust him because everybody leaks everything to Sheffy. He's kicking back some money somewhere. I that's always, for sure. I've always been curious of how those people get those relationships. Well, it's just it's kickbacks for yeah. sure. You get information from lower people on the totem pole that and just then, happen to be like, hey, you need to go send this email or bring this paperwork down to so-and-so. And they're like, oh, hey, Sheffy, here, here you go. Yeah. hundred bucks like a cameo gotta be paying them on the side like gotta hey be. Shefty hook me up I'll give yeah. you some scoops the juice is running Sheffy yep. amen Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes Brett Veach all the Chiefs big wigs are having their press conference right now for uh, Patrick Mahomes' contract do we need to take over yeah. while you go yeah and- do you want us Andy Reid said quote I put on my best Tommy Bahama Bahama for you all today to celebrate this occasion does he have chicken wing sauce on it no, it's barbecue sauce. Barbecue? All over. That's why I had to get a new one. He had to get a new one to make sure that he was able to celebrate such a monumental day. Ribs, the final hours the you, buddy. organization. Fine, I was Final me. hours you. All right, here we go. You know what? Instead of talking about Patrick Mahomes coming up next, let's talk about the other young quarterbacks in the league that could get a big contract from a, on a scale of one to Patrick Mahomes. Trubisky. How excited would you be to give Risky. these quarterbacks a deal? We'll discuss it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Before we get to which young quarterbacks also deserve long-term contracts extensions, we'll do this on a scale of one to Patrick Mahomes. Oh, there it is. There he is. I want to ask you guys a question about a comment that I just saw. Andy Reid was asked how long he wants to do this, how long he wants to continue coaching in the NFL. Oh, I thought how long he wanted to press conference. Eating barbecue? He's in his early 60s, and he was asked how much longer he wants to coach. He said, if it takes me into my 70s, let's go ahead and roll. This is interesting. Let's say he coaches another 10 years. If Andy Reid coaches another 10 years, does he have a legitimate shot to go down as being on, like, let's say the Mount Rushmore of coaches in the NFL? Because it's going to be really hard for him to ever pass Bill Belichick. What Belichick did with Brady is it's as good as you're ever going to find anywhere in the history of any sport, much less the NFL. It's just it's unprecedented for 20 years to have that much success. They basically went to the Super Bowl every other year. And his 20 years as the head coach. So Belichick has the number one spot on that. No questions asked. If Andy Reid does this for another 10 years and they have the success that we all think that the Chiefs will have, even if they win one or two more Super Bowls, right? They, let's say they get to another one and they go to the AFC championship game regularly. I think it's going to be really hard not to have him on that list, given what he's already accomplished, the guys that he has that were his assistants that have now gone on to become successful coaches elsewhere. And that's going to be a part of his legacy is his coaching tree and the quarterback. Now that he has developed becoming one of the better young quarterbacks so far that we've ever seen. Andy Reid, if he does this another decade, is probably going to end up on some pretty prestigious lists of the greatest coaches that we've seen in NFL history. Who else is on that Mount Rushmore? Uh, Chuck Knoll, I think, has to be. Pittsburgh, that era of winning a bunch of... I don't think Ditka gets on there. Ditka had some success, but it was kind of short-lived. He was like... Shula. Shula, Don Shula would be my next one. Jimmy Johnson, you got to look at that. Like He's got a couple of Super Bowls. Then he went on, did well with Miami as well. So, I don't know. I think I think Andy Reid gets on there though. He had what the Eagles brought them all the way to the Super Bowl, yeah. If I'm correct, and then kind of a rebuilding process in Kansas City where they went through some stuff, and obviously Patrick Mahomes a huge part of the future. Drafted him, and now they haven't looked back. So, yeah, ten years from now, his report card, depending on what it looks like between now and and year ten. I think he's got a shot. And someone somewhat like Bill Belichick, you know, Tom Brady, a late draft pick. Now, Mahomes wasn't a late draft pick, but Belichick was able to take a, a quarterback that nobody expected much from and turn him into a one of the best in the league. Same with Andy Reid. Now, I know Mahomes was drafted in that first round, but there were other teams in the NFL that said, uh, we don't want to take this guy. We don't yeah. think this guy can be a quarterback. And he turned him into Chicago. an MVP. Yeah. Chicago. I Take think it. we can't, uh, we'd be remiss not to bring up maybe Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Who? <laughs> oh, oh, I, I was about to say, let's clarify this to the Super Bowl era, right? Because, like, if we're going well, back he is to the Super the, Bowl, who's, who's, who's Vince Lombardi? Lombardi? Lombardi only won two titles, so most of his championships came pre Super Bowl. Oh, era. BK's saying he's not very good. There no, it is. That was your take. Uh, you, just said, this. you just said he only won two Vince Super Lombardi Bowl. Tuesday, like Frank Gore Friday. Wow. If I were to, t- that, no, don't get that started. <laughs> if I were no to go Parcells? Super Bowl era, I don't think I would have Parcells up there. I'd probably Belichick's got to be one. Joe Gibbs. I think Gibbs is another one that I considered. 
I'd go Belichick, Noel, Bill Walsh, and Don Shula, I think would be my Bill four. Walsh, yeah, I can't forget him, his, his success in San Fran. And the other thing that he has is he's got the coaching tree. Like, his coaching tree becomes a part of his legacy, and I think you also have to include that as part of this is Well, then the Marcel should probably be in the mix then. That's true. That's true. He, he definitely should at least be under consideration in this as so, well. So, it, is, is Pete Carroll on an Andy Reid level? No. no. You don't think so? Because no. they both have the same amount of Super Bowls, right? Yeah, he, but it's not. No, I don't consider that. And they've been the Super Bowl the Andy's same amount. done it for 20 years. He has the legacy of what his uh, his former assistants have gone on to do. He did it consistently when Pete Carroll was out at USC, and Pete Carroll also failed the first time, first two times yeah, that he was an he NFL came head in coach. The NFL the last time before the Seahawks. Did Pete Carroll get to the Super Bowl? I thought he got to I the Super Bowl in New England once, but he, when the Bears just absolutely. <laughs> Pounded them. That bears. Pete Carroll bears. for me does not approach the level of Andy. What Reed. if he has? Su- on what one. if he has success? And let's Alex say he, doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm asking a question no, here. Let's let's, let's well, say he really, wins another anymore. Super Bowl. What? Let's say he wins another Super Bowl. I think Andy Reid's offensive mind is what sets him apart yeah. to me. Like it, it's it's all of these things, right? It's the winning. It's the Super Bowls. It's what you've had in terms of your coaching tree that has blossomed underneath you. And also, what is your contribution to the game in terms of schematics mm-hmm. and what you brought in terms of evolution of the game if on the If that's the case, field? and I think Bill Parcells has to be in serious consideration. The defenses that he provided, I know Belichick yeah. was a huge part of that, but he was also a big part of developing Bill Belichick. It, it, it's a good one. It's a good one. It, it, there's a lot of good... Um, possibilities on uh-huh. this list, right? Like we, we haven't brought up quite a few that could potentially be on this. Tom Landry should be probably a part of this. Great discussion. sideline outfit too. Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy although short lived, probably deserves to be a part of the discussion. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of great ones. I just, I wonder if we're going to get to a conversation ten years from now, Why? whatever Andy right Reid's done. <laughs> Where he is very clearly similar to Bill Belichick. You can talk about all these other guys and who should otherwise be on the list, but Belichick's a hundred percent on it. And I wonder if Andy Reid's going to get to that for point. I Look what he did with the Eagles before he came to the Rams and the Colts a little bit too. The Colts correct? a little bit, yeah. Vermeil should be in the discussion. I wouldn't Jeff have Fisher. him on this list. On a scale of one to Patrick Mahomes, which of these young quarterbacks would you feel best about giving the long-term deal to? Let's go through a few of these with you guys, if you don't mind. The first one, and this has been the guy that's been getting the most discussion lately, Dak Prescott. Scale mm. of one to Patrick Mahomes, how confident would you be in giving them, let's say, the new market that was previously set by Russell Wilson? So you're talking about $30, $35 million. How, how confident would you be giving that money to Dak Prescott? I'm a five on that. I really am. I know that he has the talent and the ability. And if you just look at that, you're like, wow, this guy could be Patrick Mahomes worthy. But to me, he hasn't shown that consistently enough. He's been good, but he hasn't gotten them anywhere. And so for me, I'm right in the middle. I'm going to be with a five on that one. I would put it at a four, to be honest. I, Dak Prescott really wasn't much until the, they got Ezekiel Elliott. And then when they got Amari Cooper, that's when he started. And he's been playing with all pro offensive linemen his entire time in Dallas. Um, he's He's been unable to overcome the hurdles that is the defense. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. I put it at about a three or a four. I'd give it like an eight, eight or a nine. I think wow. Dak Prescott's really good. I do I, too. I just don't know if he's worthy of being like, he hasn't won anything. 
He hasn't yet. I think he will, though. Um, and, and I think the Cowboys have really messed this up. If they had decided not to pay an off-ball linebacker in Jalen Smith and a running back in Ezekiel Elliott, they could have had him under contract probably for 30, 30 to $32 million. Now they might have to pay him 35 to $37 million. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, to see how he lines up with uh, McCarthy here as a head coach. Yep. He's yeah. pretty pretty offensive-minded coach, does a good job, has got some good systems. I think that that could be a big boost for Dak Prescott. You think Dak could have success, though, if you jeopardize your franchise in the terms of paying him that much money? Oh, like they did in Kansas City? Yeah. Scale of one to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Just How confident are you in, in signing Deshaun Watson to a long-term contract at $35-ish million a year? I'm an eight on that one. Yeah. I think he has proven that he can pull out some big games. That team has steadily improved with him, and I think he's just scratching the surface. You know, in some of the games he played last year, he was the best player on the field by far, if, and so I have no problem with if that. If he had DeAndre still, I'd put it at a nine, but because he doesn't, I don't know what he's going to look like without an elite wide receiver, so I'd put it at about a six and a half. Nine. On quarterbacks not named Patrick today. Mahomes. Damn, you were just throwing still out those fired nines. Up about Mahomes. Give yeah. me a second. We'll get to a couple others that I'm much less confident about. But on quarterbacks not named Patrick Mahomes that are in this young crop of guys, Deshaun Watson's the one that I have the most confident in being good, not just now, but in the future. I think that guy is special. I really do. I think if he were in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes were in Houston, this is going to be sacrilege for Ooh, me to say. Record. Yeah, can we send this out to the Kansas City radio station? He would not be Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have the talent would that he Patrick want a Super Mahomes Bowl, had. He would have won a Super Bowl last year. Oh, baby. I think Deshaun Watson would have, in terms of the on-field success win-loss record, had a very similar success rate to in Kansas City to what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, even if the ceiling would have been lower for him than what we've seen as the ceiling for Patrick Mahomes. Next one up, on a scale of one to Patrick Mahomes, how confident would you be giving this guy a long-term term extension? Lamar Jackson. Oh. The MVP of last year's. Put it at a 10. I'm putting it at a Mahomes. Wow, oh, really? Yeah, 100%. This we guy, changed it. $35 million a year, you're 100% ready to go. Well, no, I'd, I wouldn't have given that to Mahomes either, so I guess I'll have to say <laughs> well, Mahomes nine. Mahomes got 45, I, but I'm saying 35 for Lamar. Oh, you said 35? All right, so I'm getting old. Um, yeah, okay, so 35, I would absolutely give that to Lamar Jackson. Now, probably maybe not the best idea as a GM, but is he worth it? Yes, I think that if you're going to draw a comparable to Patrick Mahomes or someone who's at, in the same discussion, at least, it's Lamar Jackson, and he yeah. showed it big time last year. Yeah, I'm putting that at a 10 as well. He showed you what he's capable of, and that was his, what, first full time as a quarterback. That's interesting. BK's going to go with two here. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's yeah. oh, he's the salmon swimming yeah. upstream he's all the time. Nines all over the place, and then a two. All right, Six and a half. Oh, my God. Why? Let me ask you that. Why? But you're going to give. Is it because he's in the same conference? Eight? As no, your boy? No, none of that. It's because it's because I worry about what he looks like at 28, 29, 30 years old. I've never seen a running a quarterback that gets as much value out of his running that successful that late in their Where career. Where was this exact point we're talking about Mahomes earlier? Yeah. Mahomes and doesn't get the same value out of his Dak? running. He doesn't? No. Lamar would... Jackson gets the majority of his value out of what he does with his legs. Okay, but you don't think that he's can improve special because of his with legs. experience? He's only going to get better. You know, he's not going to get faster. He's not going to take smarter. as many hits. But he proved he we'll had an see. arm last year, too. He did. A little bit. And then in the postseason, it fell drunk again. It's possible. Just a little buzzed. You taking my Long Island Ice Teas, BK? Two more for Looks you guys like really it. quickly. One to Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, how confident are you in him? Three. <laughs> Three. I just yeah. don't see it. I don't know. It, it, maybe I'm maybe Something. I'm the one that's drunk now. I don't know. But 
for me, Josh Allen, it just, yeah, no. Yeah. And to put him in the same breath as you've just put all those other guys ahead of him, yeah, yeah. no. I'm sorry, Donnie. I'm putting him at a three, too. Yeah, Donnie Fandango, we love yeah. you, man. I love you so much. Good luck. Yeah, sorry on Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen at two. A two. I love watching Josh Allen play football. I would not want to pay that guy $30 million to be my quarterback. Absolutely not. He's pedal to the metal at all times. He is bigger, stronger, a little bizarro version of Jameis Winston. Like that, that's what he is. And I don't think that's sustainable over time. Last one, Baker Mayfield on a scale of one to Patrick Mahomes. How confident are you uh, in signing him long-term? Three. Again, same three. thing. I have zero confidence in Baker Mayfield. I know that He's shown some ability at times, but he's just such a wild card, both on and off the field and both with his dedication to the game and his non-dedication to the game, his 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 desire to be more famous than good. I just think that Baker Mayfield, for me, uh, somebody said it the other day, maybe it was yourself, maybe BT, I don't know who's in here, that you know his next team that he's on, he might be a more evolved, better player. But in the short term right now, I, I'm just not sold. I'll rank him out of Trubisky. Oh, that's a minus, I think. Yeah. That's like negative 12. It's negative Sorry, Baker. Five. <laughs> I'll give him a four. I, I still believe that Baker Mayfield can become a quality quarterback. I was probably, after his rookie year, I would have given you probably about a seven, yeah. six or seven on this. Now I've I've reverted back to uh, far beyond that. So I, I'm at about a four right now with him. I need to see a really good year out of him this season. I need to see that. It's 119, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's Jamie's favorite time of the week. Yes! Let's play a game of one guy go next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. One gotta go. It's our favorite time of the week, Jamie Rivers. Let's get this thing going. You know the game. I give you four options. You say one's got to get up out of here. One got to go barbecue wing flavor. Habanero, teriyaki, Caribbean rub, or buffalo. Wing flavors. Habanero, teriyaki, Caribbean rub, or buffalo. Which one's got to go? Easy. Easy for me this time. Habanero. Really? See you later, buddy. Yeah, look, I um, I like wings. I like a little wee bit of spice and all that, but the habanero is just a little too much for me, and I won't enjoy it as much. So so sad. But mm. you gotta go, habanero. Habanero's out, baby. I mean, I love some spice with the wings, but buffalo is about that level. Once you go beyond that, it's not even enjoyable because you're burning your mouth. You don't taste it. Habanero. Get the hell out Although of here. Although you do drink more beer. I do that regardless. Yeah, you give point. me Caribbean rub, I'll be taking care of that. Yeah, you got to watch out for the Caribbean rub, though. This one's Amen. easy for me. It's teriyaki. What? Teriyaki's got to get all the way against, up out of here. What do you got against teriyaki? BK, look, we got Teri- to one. <laughs> teriyaki. Bear, BK, we got to, to come teriyaki. We got to one, to 123, buddy, but I'm sorry. You are one pathetic loser. The other three of these are elite level sauces. They are, and I don't really like teriyaki wings either, but I can eat them without having to go to the ER. Habanero or destroying yourself. I was about to say, it's really rough after the fire. God, it's horrible. The mango habanero at uh, 
at Buffalo Wild Wings is my favorite sauce. No free ads, BK. Yeah, come on now. But God, it's rough. <laughs> it's really rough the next day. I don't want to be screaming in the bathroom after I enjoyed some wings. Yeah, I don't need to be white knuckling the bowl when I'm done eating, you know? Just, ah! One gotta go. I never want to hear that sound from you ever again. Oh, I'm rolling it. It's going to be a drop. One gotta go. Waffle toppings. Waffle toppings. Berries, chocolate chips, bananas, or peanut butter? Peanut butter gotta go. I want it on toast in a sandwich, but not on my damn waffle. Are you kidding me? Berries, chocolate chips, bananas, or peanut butter? Which one's gotta go? Peanut butter. Terrible. It's peanut. How is it terrible? Bananas, no brainer. Chocolate chips, no No. brainer. Berries, no brainer. Terrible. Peanut butter, you wanna sit there for hours just. Yeah, it's called protein waffles, Ribs. Protein, You put right. the peanut butter and you mix it with the bananas. Berries, get the hell out of here. Yeah, you're... Berries can be a side, but they're not going to be on the waffle. Oh, I want berries to be your side chick, huh? They can always be the side chick. They're always there for you. Peanut butter, don't knock it till you try it, Jamie Rivers. Oh, Who says I haven't tried it? On, on the waffles? Yeah. Oh, oh it's, it's delightful. It's phenomenal. Forget about it. H- have you had it? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's tremendous. It's the only way to eat waffles. I will stand okay, by that. Okay, that's a take. lie. The only way to eat waffles with berries and stuff no, on it. That's no. that's a peanut natural. butter. Peanut butter. You guys are peanut butter, all right. One gotta go. Technology edition. Oh, oh boy. I think Jamie Rivers is gonna absolutely. Grandpa Rivers is ready to jump in. Love this one. The phone. The internet. Your TV or your tablet? The phone, the internet, the you TV, just or it. your tablet? You just changed it. Yeah. You just flip-flopped the damn question. I'm looking at the rundown. You just changed it. All right, based on that, I'm getting rid of the TV. <laughs> what? Well, think about it. If you have a phone, you have a tablet, and you have internet, you can get TV. Why not get rid of the tablet? Because your phone is a freaking tablet these days. Yeah, Jamie but, uses the tablet a lot. Does he really? No, I actually don't. Oh, I no. have like four of them at home, no. and they're all smashed because I have four kids, no. and it looks like someone drug it behind a Buick. You waste too much battery on the phone or the tablet if you're trying to watch television on it. You stick with the TV, no, you no, get no. rid of the tablet. The phone is a tablet. No, the internet, it doesn't mean you can't have a TV. It just says TV in general, like cable TV, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So you take your big 50-inch TV, and you have the internet TV instead of cable. No. Yeah. No, you're getting rid of television. Yeah, not the actual piece of furniture, Alex. No. The concept of television. You're getting rid of the television. (laughs) Okay. The screen that you watch. No. You're getting rid of that. No, that's not. So what, you're just getting rid of the phone? You can still have a phone, but you can't have a phone? That's right. You have no service to it. So if you have a TV, let's say you have Charter or Spectrum, whatever, right? You're losing that service. What's the point of a phone if you don't have... Are you picking phone? No. Then be quiet. No, this is this is flawed. This is flawed. So what did you go with? It's flawed. Television. No. Tablet. Uh, no. Ribs are a television. Damn it. No. Ribs are a television. Tablet. Tablet's got to go. One got to go. I'm going to give you three options here. I know normally it's four. We're going three here. One got to go. Eggs edition. Scrambled. Fried. Hard boiled. One got to go. Scrambled. Hard boiled or fried. This is a tough one. This is a no brainer for me. Hard boiled. Got to go. Um, really? And my wife and my kids will agree with this too. 
every time I go to try and peel one of those sons of you know what, they end up looking like Edward Scissorhands got a hold of it. And so, by Why the time I surprising? get by yeah. the time I get done with it, it has looks like something. It doesn't look like an egg. So get the heck out of here. I love scrambled eggs. Put a little cheese on there. Maybe a little hot sauce. Fried eggs are beautiful. Put them in a sandwich. Hard-boiled eggs, yeah, I throw them on a salad, but that's about it, and they're a pain in the butt. So. You were like a caveman with a, a hard-boiled egg, Riz. Like, figure out how to break the... That sounded more like Chewbacca than was. Caveman. What just happened? That was my Chewbacca. No, you're getting rid of the fried egg, and it's Didn't a hard decision. Up. I love me some fried eggs, but look, the hard-boiled are perfect snacks. See, he's crazy. The scrambled are perfect for breakfast. You could do anything with the fried... I do scrambled over fried for breakfast, and if I'm using fried, I'm just putting it on a burger, so... I'm going to get rid of the fried. Fried egg is the number one pick in this option. No, it's not. Ferrario, too. No. Hard boiled is all the way up out of here. No. Hard boiled eggs are gross. I feel you, BK. I feel you, bro. You guys just need to. They also, if you're the person that brings the hard boiled eggs to your office, stop it. And they stink. Nobody else likes it. They stink. Smells like someone farted. It's awful. That's what rotten egg smells like. I know, exactly. So you bring that in, people are working like, Riv's uh, Riv's had habanero so you're, last night. So, <laughs> so you're telling me if somebody puts deviled eggs in front of you You're not eating them Not a chance No Wow Okay. Mm-mm. Not I'm a not chance a, What's it like having terrible choice in food I'm I don't out know. on mayo in general You're the one with fried egg What? <laughs> mayo in general I Really? You don't like mayonnaise? I like mayonnaise uh-uh. yeah, I'm out mayonnaise. on mayonnaise It's not a top candidate for yeah, condiments mayo but... in the deviled eggs is like mixed in it's That's not like, like you're yeah. putting mayo it's on like it. egg salad yeah. i'm sure there's something that is made with mayo that i like but i don't know this huh. because i'm not it's not typically my go-to you know the right. overrated eggs sunny side up overrated I mean, yeah just... i thought you said underrated no, yeah, they overrated. get a little messy no. there's a little undercooked it's just like me. yeah it's like, i don't just like give it. me scrambled eggs i don't like it sloppy yeah are you, are you sure about that pretty That's sure what she said one got to go candy bar edition. <laughs> Twix, Reese's. How do you say it? Reese's or Reese's? Oh Reese's. My God. I swear, if you called them Reese's, we're going to have to break. We should have just sure. said that, actually. Yeah, said Reese's and let carry it. that out the like door cranes. with them. Yeah. Well, I, I have to confirm everything that I'm saying nowadays because I've been so wrong on so many words all of my life. No, it's Reese's. Snickers or Kit Kat? This Twix, is... Reese's, Snickers, or Kit Kat? Okay, One so got to go. The Reese's, is it the, like the little pieces or the peanut butter cups? No, the peanut butter cups. Okay. Original. All right, well, I'm just making sure This is here. where friendships are broken right here. Okay, uh, for me, out of that, I've had a lot of them. Snickers got to go. Snickers got to go. I just... Uh... Did you say I've had a lot of these? <laughs> yeah, Snickers. What? Okay. I have had a lot of those. Um... They got to go. Yeah, they serve a purpose, but the Snickers I'm having, like, like the commercial, you know, are you hungry? You don't grab a Snickers. Because you're feeling like Betty White. If Yeah, I'm, you know, a little hungry sometimes before games in the past, but I go grab a Snickers because it has a lot of different components to it. Yeah, but if I'm not hungry and it's like a personal choice type thing, Snickers would be my last, last pick out of these. I'm getting rid of Reese's. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Stop. From the guy who said he wants peanut butter on his waffles, now he's getting rid of peanut butter. Yeah, it's hypocrite. Not a, not a fan. Hypocrite. Not a fan. Uh, now, look, I, I'll eat a Reese's if you put it in front if of me. If you were doing a bracket of the best candy, no. Kit Kats, Reese's would be a number one no. seed. Kit Kat is a number one seed. Ultimately, Kit Kat's the number one seed. I'd it comes to down to the bottom three, or the bottom two, Snickers and Reese's, and I love me some Snickers. Huh. So Reese's Apparently is you like alcohol, too. I do love alcohol. The correct answer like here today. is you get rid of the Twix. 
No, that's no, the incorrect no. answer. Twix is out. Twix is good, man. Twix is good. These are four Cookie good options. Cookie and chocolate. But Snickers Peanut or Reese's. Peanut butter and chocolate. Hey, that's why I got rid of the Reese's. I'll take the Twix instead. Oh, my God. You're insane. It's caramel, too. Snickers and Reese's for me would both be like legitimate number one seeds on any candy tournament Snickers that you're doing. and Reese's? Both of and them. you're getting rid of Kit Kat? Yes. Jeez. No, I'm getting oh, rid of Twix. Twix. Oh, that's right, Twix. And Kit, Kit Kats are very good. Kit Twix Kats are, are number one. No, that's tricks are for little, kids. A little different. Maybe I have Someone. a speech impediment. <laughs> Probably do. <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. A lot of people... I said that I don't like mayo. A lot of people are saying that ranch is made with a ton of mayo. Yes, I, I don't like ranch. So And the text line fires up from that statement. Oh, boy. Ranch is the most overrated oh condiment. God, you are going okay, to you get... You need to just go are, to break now. You are going to get kicked out of this city, BK. Last one for you guys, because we had somebody that said, one got to go. BK talking about LeBron or BK talking about Mahomes? Let's go ahead and make a one got to go off of that. One got to go Lakers edition. Kareem, Kobe, LeBron, or Magic? LeBron's been there for one year. How no, do you I'm saying you get that? their careers. One got to go, Laker edition. Of those four players, okay. one's got to go. LeBron? LeBron. <laughs> That's a simple one. It's not even close. There's no Lakers without Kareem those Abdul other three. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest players and Lakers in the history of the NBA. Kobe, right. arguably, Let me clarify, one of the you're not getting their Magic Lakers career. Jump. I'm not. I'm referring to the career. But if they that only, is their career. But if they only played in L.A. Like, that is their career. Like Magic did. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that you found out earlier this year, not too long ago, that Lou Alcindor is actually <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That how, to me, there's a it's a no-brainer. How many titles did LeBron win in his career? What three? Yeah, this is this is a no-brainer. Oh, it's a very clear oh, and obvious. God, this is going to be here it right go. here, Rivs. Here we go. Here's bad Hold take on, number twelve it. today. It. Give it to us, BK. Kobe's got to go. You are one pathetic loser. Oh my gosh. Oh. What? Wow. Kobe's got to go. I can't be associated yeah, with this Yeah, I think I need to Kareem, just turn the mic off. Magic, yeah. LeBron, clear cut. Done. We top out. five to eight players in the history go to a break. of the league. Kobe's not. Kobe's got to go. Hmm. Which Cardinal player would you want for the DH position? Which Cardinal player would you say has got to go for the DH position? We'll answer that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former NHL superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Look who the cat drug in today. Is that Joey Vitale in the studio? Joey, big time. What's up, boys? Yeah, I'm back. Alex and I were recording our show for tonight, and I was listening to you guys in the car on the in the parking lot there. I was like, I'm going to come in and bug you guys here a little bit. Okay, so, so, yeah, so based upon that, you obviously have some opinions and a little bit of a rookie move, leaving the phone <laughs> on. It's no big deal. Sorry, Ribs does it every week. I oh, do wow. it at least once a week, okay? You mentioned when you came in, you're like, whoa. BK, you don't like mayo? And then we informed you that, well, he thinks ranch is overrated, too. Like, if one bad take wasn't enough, he doubled down. Well, I think I'm in the wrong business, personally, guys, because (laughs) I didn't have a problem with anything you guys said sports-wise, but when it comes to food, I had, like, my opinions. You know what I mean? Uh, A couple things. The hard-boiled egg, you guys threw that out. That's a that's a no-no. Hard-boiled eggs is a great choice. hard-boiled eggs? Okay, but how do you actually – let's take it a step further. I'm not talking about just simply eating it. I'm talking about the process, mm. like peeling it. It looks like Captain Caveman got a hold yeah. of my egg. You got to put it yeah, in cold you're, water. You're hard, you're hard boiling your eggs wrong. 
Uh, Ribs. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. That, well, you tell my wife that she's listening. That's great. Great job, Shan. Joey Vitale says you do it wrong. <laughs> Figure out that, Joey. It's simple, boys. You get the water boiling. You drop the eggs in. You put a timer on for seven to eight minutes, depending on how long you like them or how well done you want them. When seven or eight minutes is up, ding, you pull them out, and this is the key. You take the hot eggs and you put them in a bucket of ice water, yeah, like a bowl of ice water. So it's that it's that heat, that hot to cold, that kind of zaps that inner shell, uh, inner membrane, mm-hmm. I guess. If you do that, I'm telling you, I, I smash them, I give them one roll, and bam, they pop right off. It's a- I try that and <laughs> your big paws. I'm like, <laughs> and it's like Watch. little bits of egg everywhere. Got Jamie has one that's like not finished completely, and it's just a raw egg that ends up on the table. My kids are like in the corner. My my <laughs> wife is protecting the kids. Ribs, you're a power play guy. Have have a little have a little finesse. You think on your I touch. would have a little more touch? I'm I know. so glad I know. Joe came in. Stuff. So glad Joe came so, in. So um. Joey, did you have a problem with my Kobe Bryant take? Because that's the one that's really getting crushed on the text line. Like, I'm I'm being told uh, I need to get off of the radio, and they're they're questioning why I was ever hired. Give them the whole setup, though, with the Lakers thing. Yeah, yeah well, hang on. Before one. we go, how old are you again? 34. Okay, so so that's good, okay? Because sometimes we have people like BK who weren't around <laughs> for these players. Okay. And, and they're like, uh, he's like, oh, well, I don't know the guy, so he must have sucked. But that's the bad part. I'm, I'm two years with you, BK, yeah. and I still know Kobe's incredible. So one's got to go in terms of these four NBA players that happened to play for the Lakers. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, or Magic Johnson. One's got to go out of those four. I just feel like the sensitive time for Kobe. I don't know if I'd go there right now. <laughs> See? See, I said Kobe. <laughs> he, just was, he just went right into it with a dagger. He's like, I mean, Kobe's got to go. Kobe's Why done. Not? I would say LeBron at this point because oh, he hasn't proved no. anything. Joey, keep your uh, mic Joey. on. BK, turn yours off. <laughs> you take the show the over. Of people that would be in favor of that move or the station <laughs> a little concerning for my own employment standards. Yeah. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Keep those texts coming in. We got to cross things over with the fast lane coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm sure nobody heard that, Jamie. I'm, I'm turning your mic off from now on. I did it on purpose for Ferrario because he turned it on early. I'm like, listen to the squeaky. Jesus. I fixed mine. No, well, yours is not on. So. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Which one is it? Oh, there it is. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say, I fixed mine. Well, the other day, I finally brought in a, well, I didn't bring in, I, I found, actually, I didn't even find, I asked for, a, uh, <laughs> a, a wrench and a screwdriver, and all of a sudden, this thing that's been bothering me for, I don't know, three years, this is microphone it, that would limp. Does it still go limp? limp? No, it's not bad now. It'll stick out a little. I think it's, you know I what? Depends. I got to do it again. I think it depends on how much you play with it. You know what? Never, I, I'll do it again today. What? Yeah. Play with it. Yeah. Mine is just like. That's what she said. I need some WD-40 over here. Got that old wrench. Get the old wrench. It's squeaky. Got to lube it up. By the way, that's former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kiley, and that's World Series champion Brad Thompson joining us in studio. How you doing today, BT? Doing great. I mean, not as good as you, probably. I I could imagine that you've just been over the moon the last day plus. It's been pretty great. Thanks for asking. You know, these guys, they don't care about my well-being. I thought about you. I thought about meat. 
I thought about how insufferable you guys could be for the next uh, dozen years. So, so as, a, as a Raiders fan yourself, um, what was yesterday like for you? Look, it was fine. It was fine because I, I realized this. Uh, I, I know that he's co- you're not just going to win every Super Bowl because you're great. Like sometimes you're going to run into a problem. Now that problem's not likely to come out of the West anytime soon, uh, but you're going to run into some issues. I'm just excited to go see some games in Vegas at some point and Me have too. an excuse to get out there. The place looks That's fantastic. incredible. When's the last time you saw it? Uh, in person, it's probably been about a year. So okay. I haven't seen it since it's been like black on black. I was there like in January spaceship. before all of this craziness started around us and – we were staying just down the road a little bit. It's incredible. This thing, it, it's massive. It it literally looks like if Star Wars had yes. like the Death Star, right? Like yes. they got a brand new Death Star. That's the Raiders right off the strip. Right off the strip. It's pretty cool. That's the right. trip that I want to take. Like as a Chiefs fan, whenever I look at the schedule over the next few seasons, when you know we can go to games again, um, that's going to be the number one date that I circle and I say, okay, how can I get to Vegas for that one? I think that's going to be the case for every team that's in Las Vegas, right? The the home field advantage might not be what it once was, but the environment is going to be wild. Home field advantage will always be there in Vegas. Well, (laughs) let's just be, look at the Golden Knights their first year. I don't know, man. Look at the Golden Knights their first year. Teams came in there and were like, hey, we're just real. We're not going to party. (laughs) We're not going to party in Vegas. We're going to be good boys. Good one. That advantage is still there yeah. today, three years later. I, I still think, too, uh, BK, I think that you're going to have, even though they're pissed off that their team has been ripped from them, and I understand that wholeheartedly, but I think that you're going to have a lot of those true... Uh, just Raider fans coming down from from the uh, the Bay Area and watching them because it's an easy Southwest flight. Three? But if, if if you drive it, what is it three to four? Oh no, from LA. From LA. From it's... from NorCal, it's a long okay, way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking but, LA. Why am I thinking? LA? But well, you got well, a lot of Raiders fans LA in LA Raiders, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. uh, I think that they'll do really well. Look, anything where you're selling eight dates or ten, if you're counting preseason, you're going to be just fine. You're going to do well. But the nights, I got so many buddies that I. I grew up with that uh, believe it or not guys we didn't watch any hockey none of us played hockey growing up but i got buddies that are all season ticket holders because it's something it's yours it's vegas and they wanted to get in ground floor and obviously the raiders aren't ground floor they've been around for a while but it still feels like yours yeah, now it's gonna your market now god, it's gonna be good my gosh they're, they're gonna, gonna have an nba everything. team sooner than later and i wonder if major league baseball is gonna end up there eventually because yeah. there's I now think you have to no I don't know, man. There's discussion now really? with uh, Nashville, yeah, and Nashville. we saw all of this yesterday. Montreal is always in the discussion. Montreal needs a team. That's an amazing they need spot. One back. You know who else needs a team is Charlotte. Charlotte, man, yeah. they love their baseball. It's a good spot. Portland, same idea. Don't they have though, like the Southern League there that goes through Charlotte? Yeah, yes. Like it's a popular minor yeah, league? Yeah, Sally League, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Portland's so, the one that needs it too. They they love their baseball. Yeah, there. so th- that's interesting. But when it comes to Vegas, though, what what is next for them? Because currently, obviously, they got the Golden Knights. Uh, they have uh, they got the Raiders. They have WNBA as well. But I mean, that's not going to pull from from their their no. pool. But the NBA has done so well there. Summer League has done so well there. It's like a star city, yep. anyhow. That one feels like it, like it fits. 
I, I would worry a little bit about going zero to a hundred and then just dropping baseball in Vegas also, and then having 81 dates that we need all these people to fill. But that the suburbs are large, man. I mean, there's a lot of people that are hungry for it. Hell, the, I mean, the AAA team is the aviators uh, that are there. They just built a new place a year and a half ago up uh, near Red Rock, right? If you're familiar yeah. with the area. So out, uh, out that way. And they draw really well. And it's a lot of families that get to go to the games. I think sports there. In general, are going to do all right, but I don't know if I would jump right to baseball. I'd love to see NBA. I think I want ex- NBA here. Expansion. I, yeah. I would love to have yeah. the NBA here. I think expansion is coming for Major League Baseball. Has, they've lost too much money. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, no kidding. That's the biggest thing right there. Is we can get a real influx of cash quickly yes. by, by doing expansion. Does NBA do that too? Does yeah. NBA do that too? Because they've lost money. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. What uh, What's the cost? For expansion team, I, Major League Baseball. I am not sure. Because I think my it's $750 million in the NHL now. Was that what it was? I thought it was three hundred. No, $500 million for Vegas, $750 for Seattle. Wow. MLB's yeah. revenues are believed to be more than double the NHL's, meaning its expansion fees could be more than a billion dollars. One billion? You know what? Make it two. We're going to get two. <laughs> Bring two teams in. No, seriously, because Major League According Baseball... According to CBS Sports. <laughs> Major League Baseball has talked about uh, the, the fact that, all right, well, before we expand or even entertain the idea, look, we got to figure out these markets that have problems. The Rays, that they've got issues. Their lease is an issue. Their ballpark's an issue. they got to go to Montreal. Where it's placed is an issue right and that's a thought right maybe maybe we relocate them first the a's play in a dump the place is terrible anybody that's ever been to the coliseum can tell you how the raiders told you that yeah it's awful (laughs) but it fit the raiders yeah it did and it kind of fits the a's too but but the a's they deserve more right They, they deserve something new something fresh but i really think that those conversations will happen alongside the the expansion of baseball instead of hey we'll take care of this first and then we'll get to that they're hungry for money. They yeah. want to mm-hmm. put all that cash right back in their pockets, and I, I could see that coming. I'm really interested in the Nashville idea because just think about that. Now, who knows where they'd end up landing? You would think. I mean, this would be a pretty good geographical fit. It's a, what, four-hour drive to Nashville? Uh, what a great one for a road trip for a baseball fan, right? Go down to Nashville. Maybe you have yourself a yeah. little bit of a rivalry there. Well, look what's happened it's with cool the Blues one. and the Predators. Yeah. Yep. It's great. It's almost an automatic. Yep. That's like one of the ones, that, the the more desirable, rather than what the Chicago Blackhawks road trips are, people want to go oh, on those time. Nashville trips. People love going to Nashville. Nashville's what, one of the fastest growing cities in, mm-hmm. in the country right now. They're expanding so quickly and barely handle it. So I imagine if they had... All these people moving to Nashville, support a brand new baseball team. Kind of makes sense. Final thing for you, uh, BT, before we get out of here and let you guys take over with the fast lane. This according to Robert Griffin III, uh, noted NFL reporter, says sources say there will be no preseason this year. Again, that is according to Robert Griffin III. Wait, RG3? Yes. The RG3? Yes. He's a reporter now? No. Oh. <laughs> He's an I NFL we heard that last player. Week too. <laughs> they said that they're going to go down to two games. Okay. But the players you know then voted on, let's just not do any preseason. Let's what do you get start it up in the regular really? season. I think your fringe guy, your bubble guy that you thought maybe could make it, I think you get a good read on those guys. And maybe yeah. they're a cheaper salary. Maybe you get the little It's your special relief. team guy, right? Yeah. yeah the, I think the that's the only time. It's my career, basically. A guy and like mine. me. And mine. Yes. I would we be pissed without those preseason. Games. <laughs> yeah, I want those uh, bad. You know what teams now, though, are, are pretty smart as, as they evaluate their players and they kind of know what they have. 
a lot of times those fringe guys, they don't even put them out there in those games at the end because they want to be able to stow them away on their practice squad. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, here, hide let, let me hide this guy all I'll, back here. I wonder if they decide to go to expanded rosters for that reason. Because yeah, of COVID well. as well, right? Maybe yeah. kind of like baseball where they've got this 60-man instead of the 40-man NFL that they're doesn't like spending from. money. They like making it, but they don't like spending it. Maybe they go to 70 instead of 55 this year. Nope. And you have those you extra roster spots. So instead of having to see those guys in the preseason. No revenue coming in, though. I mean, attendance. It's going to be tough. We'll give you five more players then. Maybe it's That's about it. Same as baseball, right? You, you, have, a, you have a couple of weeks <laughs> where we'll give you five, you know, four extra guys and we'll, we'll dwindle it down to a normal roster. BT, what's coming up today, man? Man, well, uh, a lot of uh, your boy talk, uh, uh, a lot of Mahomes. Some people say it's not worth it. Uh, no, they're not saying that. They're, they're really not. Everybody thinks that that's a, a pretty good it. deal overall. We said it. You said it? Yeah, we said it. Well, no, actually. I, I, Don't say we. I, be very clear. I didn't say Jamie not, Rivers. I didn't say he's not worth it. What I said was he's extremely talented. He's probably worth every penny. But now you can kiss future Super Bowls after this two-year window where he's still on the current deal. After that, I said they will not win another Super Bowl in the 10 years that follow. Get him. That's what I said. Get him. Anyways, we'll talk about that. And uh, look, baseball, is it going to happen? Because, you know, there's there's testing issues. <laughs> a couple of them. Yeah, we'll the Cardinals going to practice again eventually? We'll talk about that. Ah, practice? <laughs> it's Y'all want to talk about practice? For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Fast Lane's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.